Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey everyone, Ben Kitzel here. As we've been saying, we're going exclusive to Spotify starting February 14th. That's Valentine's Day. So it's time to get ready for the move. You can download the Spotify app for free. You don't have to put down a credit card or pay anything. Just download the app, search for Last Podcast on the left, and listen to our show like you normally would. Plus, the rest of the Last Podcast network is there too. And of course, all of your favorite music. If you want to get new episodes as soon as they come out, just follow the show on Spotify and new episodes will pop into your library. It's super simple. We'll be talking more about this in the upcoming weeks, but get ready. Valentine's Day is the day. Listen free on Spotify. There's no place to escape to. This is the last talk. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. All right, guys. So, this is a big moment for us. Oh yeah, this is a big story. Mm-hmm. And so, before this, I just want before we even begin this whole saga, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just want to reach out to anybody that is in. I'm not going to even use the word cult, okay? Right, because you're you're not in a cult. You're in a group. Well, that's reverse psychology. <laughs> you're in a class. Qu- quotation marks. Well, but the difference between a class and a cult is you can leave the class when the bell rings, and then you're like, see you next Tuesday, professor. Okay, so we know that. The people I'm talking to do not know that. Oh, we'll just keep that between us then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, you're having fun in class. You love the wafers. You're meeting new people. You love having... You love being in the yeast room. <laughs> you love being in the fiber hut. You love it. <laughs> but, and, and I get it. Space Jesus mm-hmm. sounds fucking rad. Yeah. yeah. I get it. But as soon as it gets to the point, and I mean this, where he says that you got to cut off your balls Uh and he's saying this to you you're looking in his eyes and you love your bowl-cutted teacher and he's been nothing but good to you this entire time right and he's telling you gotta lose the nuts in order to meet space jesus i'm gonna tell you right now you can meet space jesus with edibles (laughs) without any of this shit just leave just just take this as a sign i am space jesus's uncle Uncle henry yep he's actually a boy in this realm (laughs) this is a sign for you to leave absolutely well very good advice henry welcome to the last podcast on the left everyone i am ben kissel looking at marcus barks hi and we are fortunate this week to have henry zabrowski in studio so we're all together forming a triangle of power Aren't we blessed? Aren't we blessed? So why is Henry talking about balls? Why is he talking about potentially losing balls? Why is he talking about space, Jesus? 
All of those things come into play in this next series. We will be covering Heaven's Gate. And we are on to part one. We are taking off towards the next level above Ooh. human. <laughs> but we covered Heaven's Gate nearly a millennia ago. Yeah, I think you're looking, the word you're looking for is decade. When? Yep. Decades, yeah. <laughs> Take some zeros off. <laughs> but what? When, when, when was it? It was like episode. It was like almost like episode three. No, right? it was like thirty-four or thirty-five, somewhere around there. So this is our first attempt to redo a series because we know for a fact that we did not do it credence now, and now that we really are up to our fucking clavicles mm-hmm. in this story, it's really bums you out. <laughs> well, it really does, but this is a great time to be doing Heaven's Gate because, of course, they have the Green Bay Packers logo. The Green Bay Packers are in the NFC Championship game. Maybe this is an omen <laughs> that they are going to win the game and go to heaven. I knew I could reach these kids. I knew one day my lessons would reach the dumbest kid in class. <laughs> <laughs> well, out of all the cults that made headlines in the late 20th century, perhaps the most misunderstood is the one that came to popularly be known as Heaven's Gate. Mm. The story goes that in 1997, on March 19th and 20th, 39 members of the Heaven's Gate cult committed mass ritual suicide dressed in identical uniforms and covered in purple shrouds, doing so under the direct orders of their castrated leader, Marshall Applewhite. Do you guys have to mention castrated every time you mention my name? Is that just (laughs) like literally the first fact? We can't talk about my beautiful blue eyes or my wonderful taste in Nike decades, which are actually kind of fresh. No, those are are pretty cool shoes there, buddy, but uh, you you don't got a dick, right? I have a flappy, but I don't have the bing bongs. <laughs> okay, okay, just check it. No, they're misunderstood, but under, like, it's not their fault that they're misunderstood, almost, because they really tried to explain themselves afterwards with a dump of information that came out after they had committed suicide. Mm. Yeah, and they were okay with messaging. And, well, in fact, like, you know, speaking of being misunderstood, you've already put a misunderstanding out there oh by God. saying that Marshall Applewhite demanded that they castrate themselves he, when, in fact, he did not demand that they castrate themselves and only six of them actually castrated themselves. There's a lot of misinformation when it my, comes to Evans Gate. My hands are on my hips, shaking my head, <laughs> Mr. Zabrowski. And you know what I'm doing? I'm shaving the carrot. I see it. Your wrists deep into your love handles. <laughs> but I will say, I'm not going to say he demanded. But he hinted. He hinted. No, he hinted. You said you can do this. You could. I'm, I'm going to do this. To. I'm going to do this. You can if you want to. But Marshall Applewhite never demanded anything of anyone. Suggestions. It was said that the point of this mass suicide was to hitch a ride on a spacecraft flying in tandem with the Hale-Bopp comet that was passing by Earth. But in order to do so, they had to leave behind their human vehicles ah so you're like subaru and your uh, your toyota your rav4s yeah. yeah when i look at myself i call myself more of like a hyundai grunt <laughs> now this is definitely a subaru outback crowd if you know what i mean of course a little granola yeah well soon after the bodies were found it was discovered that this cult had laid out their entire belief structure on a website heavensgate.com and thus they were dubbed the first internet cult Ooh. Or, that's the way the story has been portrayed. Hmm. While that summation is close, the story of Heaven's Gate is far more complicated than what it was boiled down to be in CNN soundbites and snarky late-night monologues. Hold on a second. Are you telling me a castrated cult that wants to hail Bop in order to go to heaven on the orders of Mr. White 
head, whatever, white side, <laughs> white gate, white apple, absorbed a single apple fat. white, white nipple, whatever his name is, is complicated. <laughs> but it's true. Jay Leno is not going oh to God. understand a lot of the complexities of the inner workings of this group. Because no. we're going to find, especially if you even attempt to watch any of what they call their exit materials. I'm in it about three hours deep into the Beyond Human class right now. And I got to say, number one, if you have a hard time falling asleep, it is great. <laughs> what I am <laughs> that. I'm a little bit concerned about studying another cult because, as we know, Marcus Henry is slowly slipping down the cult train, uh, cult the, the cult slide, and every cult seems to reaffirm your love for what you now call LRH. LRH, you literally said yesterday, you're like, L. Ron Hubbard was like a lot better than Applewhite. It's just like you're ranking them now, and it's really scary. You already were, you're teeing me up because my number two was never have I been a more of almost an adherent to the teaching styling of LRH. LRH. And the fact that if you listen to his tapes, and that is true, if you listen to the audio of him, he throws some jokes in there. Mm-hmm. He's super funny. Right. He's kind of, he zips, up and zopping. There's some presentation. He's right. got a good uniform on. Hey, Applewhite throws some jokes in there too, all right? He may not be as snappy and he may not be as polished as your LRH, but Applewhite has his points as well. He yep. looks and acts like if Jeff Sessions worked at Michael's. <laughs> <laughs> well, he knows what's in every aisle. He has a quilting group sense of humor. <laughs> It's kind of funny. <laughs> well, as far as the members went, they've mostly been portrayed as brainwashed victims, just mindless drones with bad matching haircuts mm. who watched too much Star Trek and fell under the spell of a charismatic leader. Why are matching haircuts never cool haircuts? Why mm. does it always have to look like the kid who is? Because you, you know... got to pay for it in bulk. If you get yeah. like, oh. if you get a bun, if you get thirty nine nice haircuts, perms. I want a nice perm. That's, that's... like fucking layering takes. Hours, I guess. <laughs> this point. Okay. But according to one of our sources, this brainwashing label only accomplishes two things. It helps the people left behind make sense of the tragedy because their loved ones are now victims instead of adherents, mm. and it absolves the embarrassment surviving members feel about being a part of the cult in the first place. I think of all the cults we've covered, more so than Jonestown or Om Shinrikyo, even because the, they had a fairly substantial evangelical section. They were trying to pull people in at all times, right? No, Have, no. People who are evangelical are not going to be susceptible to cult-like ideas. The, uh, you <laughs> are evangelized. <laughs> it's ridiculous. You would even think that. But the, the idea is the the... But Heaven's Gate, or f- formerly known as HIM, right? This this group, the class, this group was they were very selective. Mm-hmm. Marshall Applewhite was more so like it was very personal. The, these are this is a boutique cult. Mm-hmm. He really saw, and we'll see how uh, Bonnie Nettles helped him. I think helped oh. shape and guide him. Oh, Bonnie Nettles was the was brains the behind. One. She was the brains behind the whole operation. Oh, wait, I hold think... on. So Marshall Applewhite's the charisma? <laughs> he's, he's the guy? He's we'll, the show tunes guy? Yeah, we'll get into it. He's okay. the non-sexual sex appeal. <laughs> <laughs> but he, they really wanted people that wanted in, and so he made it incredibly difficult to stay. Yep. Which I think, yes, brainwashing was in there. There is some gaslighting there is obviously manipulation, but on some level, you weren't going to be there if you didn't want you there. He would specifically prune you if you weren't doing the group. If you weren't doing the work, he'd fucking kick you out. Mm-hmm. And he also specifically was looking for, for whoever was the skinniest, 
biggest eyed doofus that was really <laughs> loves sitting in a circle on a pillow. Okay, a lot of people do. I don't mean to use the word doofus, <laughs> but <laughs> there is there is some doofus vibes in there. I think doofus needs to come back. It's great. Well, Apple White actually would buy plane tickets and bus tickets home for people who wanted to leave. Well, if they wanted to go, he'd say, like, yeah, okay, here's a bus ticket. Go. Where do you need to go? That's where your family lives. All right. That, see you later. That's what Michael Bloomberg tried to do with the homeless when he was mayor of New York. So I, <laughs> I understand what he was going for. Well, for the most part, Heaven's Gate was made up of people who were disillusioned by the failure of 1960s idealism. And the majority of the people who took their lives in 1997 had been members of Applewhite's cult since the 70s. Ooh. They have a very high retention rate. Damn. Well, Somewhat, yes, somewhat, no. (laughs) A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Well, for these people, peace and love had failed and the world had proved to be cruel and uncaring. Many were people who'd been steamrolled by modern culture, which was all the more painful because they'd believed so hard that that culture was going to change. These people joined Heaven's Gate because they were disappointed, not Mm. because they were overly gullible. What they got, though, was freedom in a cage, what psychologists call bounded choice. What that means is that a person involved in the movement only has the illusion of choice. But since their lives were so inextricably linked to the life of the leader, when he decided to go, most of them followed. Because in their minds, if there was no Applewhite, there was no salvation. I actually have a question here. So they committed suicide in 1997. Mm -hmm. The 90s, it was my heyday. I love the 90s. You you had... uh, Squeezable yogurt. You could just squeeze it right into your mouth. Gogurt is still active. It's Go-Gurt still around. Is great. Yeah, I yeah, found but, a surge in uh, Northampton, Massachusetts last weekend. I was so happy. The nineties are alive. Yeah. Thank God. I went to a hot topic, <laughs> and seriously, Marilyn Manson shirts still live there. Yes, yeah. it's awesome. But do you think because it was such a high tech cult, or at least a sci fi cult, that if they lived to two thousand twenty, they actually would have been in the world they wanted? No. Okay, no matter no, what. Actually, they, because would this, ha- they would actually hate this world you, more than the world of the 90s. Because even the though world we got ma- all the magic, we got all the sci-fi, it's it, all coming real. It's all about the interactions with people. Oh. It's all about how people treat them and how they interact with others. Okay. I mean, who knows? They were so insulated, it didn't really matter. The whole world began to stop existing almost on purpose. The idea was to X out anything that was an outer influence inside of the group. It was this idea that the future is in and not out. Mm-hmm. All of salvation on the inside but this is one of those I think that's a very specific example of like we talked about it a little bit with Jonestown too is that when the cult leader decides to commit suicide there's an act of living inside of the cult leader's head where they have all they're all in there and when the head dies the rest of the snake goes with it and so Marshall Applewhite was obviously nearing the end of his time and fucking generated a new exit plan when they found the the supposed UFO mm-hmm. trailing behind Hale Bob. I think this, man, it's a good thing you didn't meet these people at just the right time when you were 14 years old. <laughs> Again, this is not my crew. I fucking like fucking Scientology has Starfleet and the oh uniforms my is- and you got the big boat. Actually, this is more my crew. Okay, great. Yeah, great. Uh, if I were to jo- out of the two between Scientology and Heaven's Gate, I'm going Heaven's Gate. Next thing you know, I'm hanging out with the Bundy clan in Oregon trying to claim <laughs> sovereign citizenship and be like, this land is my land. <laughs> well, as far as the leader went. Marshall Applewhite was only half of the equation. Up until 1985, Marshall was joined by a woman named Bonnie Nettles, Mm. who ran things in tandem with Applewhite and pretty much created the cult's entire belief system. And speaking of that belief system, 
Let's hear a clip from Applewhite himself describing the thrust of the cult's beliefs. This is from his most famous video, Last Chance to Evacuate Earth Before It Is Recycled. Recorded. <laughs> a, it's so catchy. you got to go with it. There's a lot of prog vibes in many of these titles and works. This was recorded just six months before the suicide. Let's take a listen. To try to just put it as briefly as I can put it and as clearly as I can put it, the this planet is about to be recycled, refurbished, um, started over as far not that doesn't mean it's going to be destroyed. It doesn't mean it's the end of the world, but <clears throat> it does mean that it's going to be recycled, refurbished. Now you can say, well, who are you to say that? And I'll tell you who I am as to whether or not you believe who I am or not is up to you. And whether or not you believe that it's going to be recycled or refurbished is up to you. Now, the purpose of this tape is to warn you that that is about to happen and that, and that it's going to happen very soon. If I would title this tape, it would be Last Chance to Evacuate Planet Earth Before it is recycled. Wow, he said it, dude. That's the name of the movie, man. He does. <laughs> can't believe it. He does sound a little bit like Warren Jeffs meets uh, Jonestown meets uh, you know the man, the main man there. Yeah, but also say a single specific thing, Marshall. Say one <laughs> fact because this is the end of the hours and hours and hours and hours of footage. And I know episode two of Beyond Human is him. Getting questions from his adherents, right? He says the first episode is him berating about how no one's asking him any questions. Second episode is they bring in a list of questions. He answers none of them. Right. <laughs> but he explains the whole time about how he doesn't want to compare himself to the alien that was Jesus Christ. But here's all the ways that I'm really very close to the alien mm. that used to be Jesus Christ. That's pretty cool. Now, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have watched at least clips of the Heaven's Gate videos, and I'm sure a lot of you have had a hard time grasping just how this unblinking potato-headed motherfucker was able to convince 38 people to kill themselves. Is it even big enough of a head to be a potato-headed? Oh, like a red potato. Like a keys- Like a, what, what do you call it? Like a <laughs> kidney. He looks like a kidney bean. But the interesting thing about those videos is that they neither converted nor convinced a single person. They didn't work because Applewhite's touch was personal. While his eyes look absolutely insane on video, former followers reported that those same eyes seemed to radiate love when they talked to him face-to-face. This is why people... You're going to find your person out there. Right, yeah. It, it, it's important to know that because look at us. We're three very specific men. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean, and it, and it takes a specific woman, oh, yeah. in our cases, to love us. And, mm, right. and so to them, our rants and the way we, we uh, just scream alone, the way I scream alone in my house and, right. and to, to no one, and the way I scream in my car, to Natalie is almost in a way cute. She's even said the words cute about it. <laughs> and that's just because she's delusioned. Right. She, she's been broken down over time, and my, my sheer char- my charisma has managed to pull her into my web. Right. It's interesting. Applewhite is sort of like Moby, where if you listen to his music and you really want to like it, mm-hmm. you can. But then for the most part, if you look at it through a normal brain, it's not good. I think old Galoot here is actually the secret 
real member of Heaven's Gate. Whoa! <laughs> Where's my... My penis is gone. <laughs> oh, wait, nope. Just tug on the end. There's a little rope. There it is. Oh, like my old <laughs> football coach had to do because he was so fat. <laughs> and even though I still see articles calling Heaven's Gate the first internet cult, I'm looking at you, Vice... Their website attracted... Oh, you look at me. No, no. I don't know, I don't know what impression of rights. I don't know. They're just assholes. I don't know. Well, Heaven's Gate website attracted exactly one member. What? Yeah. I mean, their internet outreach program, mostly what they attracted was like... You remember back in 1997, the early days in the internet, when most mm-hmm. trolls were like good-natured and just kind of having fun? Mm-hmm. That's mostly what Heaven's Gate attracted. I just remember a picture of Gillian Anderson's head on the body of like some nude woman, and then I mm-hmm. remember Angelina Jolie's head on the body of Psylocke. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of that. Oh, man, I forgot about that picture. Yeah. (laughs) The old days. No fetishes have come from that. No, not at all. Not an entire industry based upon uh, nerds taking over the creative development of all these massive studios and put their fantasies on the air. Texas Pete is a sauce and allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around, it's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor! By Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce and a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some cha. Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs and a whole bunch of cha. And it started off my day correct. Texas Pete, sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. It takes you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. You'll step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Use your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. You're going to get a kiss in there. There's mystery, danger, and romance as you search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris. Watch out for those sidewalks. They are covered in urine. And customize your very own luxurious estate island. Think expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. Collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. And you can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Oh, how I love the 1920s. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. 
June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what's new. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. I'm, I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously this bit has been done, but the Zendaya centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay? Because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need Squarespace to shoot this through the roof for me this year. And that's why I'm going to go full tilt and not only are you going to get the judge reinhold sitting on the clydesdale entire series clothes and non-clothed what we also are going to offer and i mean this we're trying to get into giraffe rides i brought this up the other day we got to start riding other animals but horses take pictures of the horses photoshop the horses into other celebrities but stop riding them save a horse ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says right here, what would you do of another extra hour of your day? I mean, well, obviously I'd get some nunchuck training in. Oh, I'd make love to my wife. That takes about nine. That's a full nine minutes of that hour. And then I would probably uh, go to get a donut. And then I'd probably yell at my parents. But a lot of us wish we had more time. The question is time for what? I don't know. What works for you? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. And therapy can help you find out what matters to you so you could do more of it. You know that question? They're like, if you had a billion dollars, what would you do? You know, and like, you know, when I answer it's, of course, I would grind the government to a standstill with my giant machine of my making in secret for many years. But a lot of people get mad at that. And it's really hard to do that in a job interview or like when you're meeting somebody's like your significant other's parents for the first time. So, and we might actually want to think of starting therapy. So give BetterHelp a try. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash last pod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-A-S-T-P-O-D. But Applewhite always owned the labels that people gave the group, openly calling his followers a religious UFO cult, quote, because that's what the world dubbed us. He said, yes, we are a religious UFO cult. That's who we are, because that is what you have called us. We are the cult of cults, is what he said, even specifically. Mm -hmm. That's very smart. And they liked it, because yeah. that added to the charm. Right. It's an old Satanist trick. 
that it, Anton LaVey understood implicitly the big, like we were started research on a, a series about Satanism, which I, I really want to do one day. And we're going to do it this year sometime. We, we will do it. But the that that idea of taking the mantle of the villain, you give everybody an identity. You give all these again these doofuses an identity. They're not doofuses. I Stop not, calling them doofuses. It's multiple doofuses, so it's a doofy. It's doofies. <laughs> but you get all these people, and you give them a label, and you tell them, "Don't worry, we're gonna make you look like a space baby. You, you're oh. gonna you're gonna have so much vegetable broth, your nose is gonna fall off. Yeah. Don't worry, and that's the most attractive form. That's the way he keeps talking about the alien body is the most attractive form." But it's just a noseless baby <laughs> with a pussy dick. Well, let's not give away too much of the story. You gave here. away the pussy dick part of the entire thing. Marcus worked really hard on this entire series, and now, boom! Let's just be done with it. <laughs> but my my um, memory of this cult was it wasn't like they were so nefarious or evil. They were not. It was more like the way the media covered them. It was more like who are these? Like it was more like wacky, like sci-fi. It was. It was like it was the media. Collectively yelling nerds. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It was just all of them calling them nerds. Like fuck these nerds. Who cares about these nerds? Like, well, calling them doofuses. I know, but doofus to me has is has a different ring than nerd because I understand why. Because I think the nerd hook is why they got embroiled in all of this bullshit. Yeah, and they took the label and it kind of it just. They got defensive then, and then all of a sudden, now you're in it. Now you're mm-hmm. acting like you're a part of a cool gang, but it's like you're all 87 pounds. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Maybe Doofus is just a confident nerd. Yeah. Well, as far as the message went, hmm. Applewhite said that the Earth was a cruel place, and if you can't figure out how to live in modern society, then you have no choice but to leave it. But leaving didn't mean committing suicide, even though your body would have to die. Ooh. What you would actually be doing is ascending to the evolutionary level above human, or, for short, Taylor. I mean, if you want to leave society, just go to South Dakota. No, but then you just... You, you still got to pay taxes. Yeah. Not many. <laughs> and your neighbors are potatoes. <laughs> That's fun! <laughs> See, for these guys, heaven was an actual physical place that you could travel to, but the only way to get there was to leave behind your human vehicle. Mm. But this is not a story of brainwashing, nor is it a story of a descent into madness. Partly, this is a story of true believers who wanted so bad to prove themselves right, they killed themselves to make a point. And Marcus and I had a discussion, too, but it's a, it's a bunch of people that they really wanted to feel special. Yes. And Marshall Applewhite really wanted to feel special. And but a part of the mantra as we get into more in the second episode, we get more into the actual like belief systems. I'm going to try not to get too deep in the weeds yeah. next episode. But this he kept saying, you know, he's like, we're special. You're not special, though, because that's how special you are. You're so not special because you have to be not special mm-hmm. in order to lose your penis and lose all the, the things on your face. You lose mm-hmm. your ears, lose your nose and use your lips. But you're still special because you're not special enough. To not have a penis anymore. Well, speaking of special and speaking of no penis, this reminds me of the hit movie Cats. Uh, They're (laughs) jellical cats. And there was one specific cat who was special enough to die. And that's why that movie is just about a suicide pact within a cult. (laughs) Honestly, save that point for next episode because it's kind of true the transmu- the transmutation I'm going to say the transmutation of Jennifer <laughs> Hudson at the end of Cats is very similar to the ascent to Tila they killed her <laughs> 
Well, these people were inextricably linked to the mind of Marshall Applewhite, as we said. And as it is with a lot of suicide cults, this is also a story of people yes-anding themselves into the grave. Uh-oh. While these people were dealing with massive amounts of pain, they were not mentally ill, nor were they dying from depression. They were never forced to stay in the cult, nor were they forced to drink the poison like the people of Jonestown. In fact, like we said, Heaven's Gate was purposefully difficult to be a part of. This is not the story of a homicide. This is the story of a people who wanted so bad to be free from the modern world that they found an excuse to make it happen. When it comes to Heaven's Gate, maybe the question isn't, how did one man convince 38 people to commit suicide? But rather, what was it about this world that made these people so goddamn eager to leave it? My question is, had any one of them ever thought of doing the do? <laughs> oh my God, that's a great idea. I, were they, were, was do the do a thing back? When, do did, the do when is, did do the do start? Do the do is absolutely a thing back then. And they did have the opportunity to do the do because these people were gigantic Deep Space Nine fans. So when the commercials came on, they were getting told to do the do at oh. all points. Because if they had just done the do even once, they could have skateboarded on a fountain of green... Lava. Is it lava? Yeah, no, I think so. I think so. <laughs> Through hoops and you'd meet, I, I want to see Jason Priestley. <laughs> oh my God. He was such a hunk. <laughs> I love Luke Perry's son is now a professional wrestler in AEW. He's Jungle Boy. And once you know that, you can't not see it in his face. He's very handsome. <laughs> but my question is, I've been playing a lot of Sherlock Holmes, Crime and Punishment on PS4. Highly recommend it. How weren't they mentally ill? Like, how are you able to be in a cult that you know is driving you to death? You know it's isolating you. You're not talking to your family anymore. There's a risk of losing your ding dong. How are they not mentally ill? You know, that's a really good question. I feel like this is the thing that's debated. Like, of, well, it depends it's just, on what your definition of mentally ill is. Joining a cult and losing your ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> Again. You motherfuckers. <laughs> six people chose chemical castration. That's, I'm out, just saying six. Out of 39, okay. so only six people. You're we doing do the odds. You're yeah, playing I'm, the odds. I'm playing the odds. Okay. Only, si only six. Six is a lot more than zero. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I guess it's a, we're fascinated with this concept because we, we love our balls. I literally play with my balls as a default when I'm sitting alone. But that's a... I don't you know. You need to get a PS4 so you stop doing that on the bus. But I... I because it's it, mental illness, again, this is one of those, like, email us, try to explain this kind of concept. Because a lot of these people that stayed forever, it's more that they were, the, the people that were at the end had been around at that point for close to 30 years. And when mm. you're when you're locked into this lifestyle, you're locked into a group of friends. And we're, we're going to see as we, as we cover these episodes, like, these were not spring chickens by the time that they got to the end. Mm. There was not a lot of young people that actually made the transmission. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, if you to ask me what you know the difference is is uh these people made a choice people who are mentally ill do not make the choice to okay. have mental illness okay these people at every point made the choice i'm gonna be here i'm gonna do this it's a great point gotcha and before we get into the full story of the cult and the leaders who created it let's acknowledge our sources for today the first is heaven's gate america's ufo religion by benjamin zeller this is the more academic of the two the other which is a bit more sensationalistic is Cosmic Suicide by Rodney Perkins and Forrest Jackson. That is a hell of a band name. <laughs> <laughs> now, out of the two, I'd say go with Zeller. Um, Cosmic Suicide. It's cool. It's cool. It sounds really cool, but yeah. it was written, it was one of those that was written like right after the uh, suicide happened, right after the news event. It was cobbled together. Some of the information is erroneous. Some of it is, uh, is solid. Uh, but actually, I'm 
kind of surprised that there's never been like a non-academic serious book on this subject. There's not like a road to Jonestown uh, with Heaven's Gate. Hmm. Because it's diff- it seems what we're finding out that it is very difficult to patch together the early lives of Michelle Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles. The there's- narrative is a little convoluted at times. So without further ado, let's get into the stories of Marshall Applewhite, Bonnie Nettles, and the rest of what came to be known as Heaven's Gate. All right. As we said, Marshall Applewhite was only one of the two founders of what came to be known as Heaven's Gate, although Heaven's Gate is a bit of a misnomer. Heaven's Gate was just the name of the website. The cult itself never really had an official name. They had names that other people bestowed upon them. Like, Henry, when you said earlier that they were known, they were called H.I.M., they they didn't call themselves H.I.M. H.I.M. was what they were called in a New York Times article about them because H.I.M. was one of their beliefs. That was one of their tactics. Human human individual metamorphosis. Okay. For years, they called themselves the group. And by the end... They took to calling themselves just the class. But they wanted it because, again, it was so personal. Yeah. It was never really about the frontward facing. Like, they did a couple, you'll see, they'll do a couple of call to actions. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, that was the whole thing. Is the Marshall Applewhite, especially, wanted to feel, like, super casual. Like, take off your sneakers, cut off your nose. <laughs> Let's do this, guys. Come on, have some vegetable soup. Are you hungry? Good. What was that? Uh, what was that second part? Go cut off your nose. But cut off my nose. It's going to fall off. You're going to want gonna... it to fall off. Oh, okay. Well, instead of giving the group a goofy name, they saved that designation for their leaders. Going by everything from guinea and pig to bow and peep to tea and dough, Applewhite and Nettles originally called themselves the two. Oh, so they didn't just do Italian racial slurs. It's very, <laughs> very good that they kind of moved away from that. Well, they wanted to call themselves Flappy and Whitey, but they couldn't decide who was who. <laughs> But they also, uh, they, there's a lot of symbolism in their names, though. Yeah. If you read, there's a book that I will attempt to read the title of right now. There's a book written by a survivor of the, a survivor. He, uh, they were trying to set it all up for the suicide, and then he literally got so pent up and needed to masturbate so bad, I swear to God, he <laughs> left the cult in order to jerk off. His it name is Sawyer now. It saved a life. It saved a fucking life. <laughs> and that he wrote it, and then afterwards he wrote a book trying to explain it, and I'm just gonna... This is the entire title of this book. Written by a dude named Sawyer? Yes. Okay. It is called, This Little Book Provides the Backside Evidence Showing How All Jesus' Prophecy Revelations Are Fulfilled by Those Who Were Known as T and Doe, The Father and Jesus, Heaven's Gate, UFO 2, Witnesses, Who Return Incarnate with Their Saints from 1972 to 1997, Prophecied in the Book of Revelations, Turned by Christians as the Second Coming, From the Physical Evolutionary Level Above Human, The Kingdom of God in Heaven, Whose Membership Wear Physical Vehicles, Bodies, Grown on a Vine That Human Bodies Are Designed to Resemble, To Work Within Planet-Sized Spacecrafts Like Pluto and Ceres, That Serve as Laboratories for Their Earth, Soul-Growing Garden experiments that incorporate the negative influence of the Luciferian space aliens, a.k.a. the fallen angels, so prospective new members directed by incarnate older members may overcome the human evolutionary kingdom to graduate into the next level kingdom into the literal heavens by Sawyer. I just understood every single thing he said. Can you imagine copywriting that book? Just <laughs> is the legalese, the, the legal work that you have to put that in every single document in its entirety. Well, Marshall Herf Applewhite. Was- oh, no, no, no. Hold on. <laughs> Whoa, back it up. Herf? Herf. His middle name was Herf. Is, what does Herf, Herf too, mean? Is his, that's what his friends called him when he was uh, younger. Called him Herf. It's, going- it is short for Herfendorf. <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, it's Herf with two Fs. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, Herf was actually a Texas boy. Oh. Born in a Spur. Texas in 1931. Spur, that's my area, Texas. That is he just was... another drunk person looking at one thing and naming a town after it. Like, What's the name of this? Boot. No, we already got boot down there. Look down further on the boot. Lantern oil. <laughs> Actually, uh, Spur is just 20 miles from where my parents grew up. Oh. So yeah, I've been to Spur a ton of times. Dixie Dog, great corn dogs. Very good, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> but from what I can tell, the Applewhites cleared out pretty quickly. They didn't hang around Spur, and, uh, and Marshall Applewhite uh, graduated from high school in Corpus Christi. Marshall Applewhite Sr. was a popular Presbyterian minister, and Marshall Applewhite Jr. followed in his footsteps ever so briefly when he attended the Union Theological Seminary of Virginia, although Herf only lasted about five months. Mm. Hey, man, you don't need a teacher if you got all the lessons in your fucking brain, dude. Yeah, that's a really great message for everyone. <laughs> Quit school. <laughs> See, even though Applewhite was undoubtedly a committed Christian, he was also a UFO nut going all the way back to the Roswell crash when the 20-year-old Applewhite called the Houston Police Department for more information about the incident. But that's what I'm saying. Now with like the rise of ancient alien theory, how it crosses with theologian roots and stuff, maybe he would just be on the Travel Channel or the History Channel. Talk. I mean, I don't know. Like society now is so much more open Shit, to man, these conversations. Right. He might actually have been just been on Ancient Aliens. Might just been hanging out with Tuscolosius. <laughs> sounds like a, sounds like a throat disease. I don't know what his name. If he could figure out a permanent revelation, and yeah. he actually did become the level beyond human, and just got full into body mods, that mm. would be a whole. I mean, honestly, that would have been kind of fucking dope. Yeah. Now, of course, uh, when Applewhite called the Houston Police Department, they didn't really have any information on the Roswell crash to give. But the cops did place Marshall Applewhite on a list of suspicious characters. Why? Because of his interest in the UFO phenomenon. Wait, this is so you're just on the you're on the top ten list of weirdos of Houston. <laughs> well, I guess at the time, a lot of people didn't call the police station and ask them about UFOs. <laughs> Well, as we know, there's a lot of UFO enthusiasts all over our country, mm -hmm. some wearing badges, some in prison, some cleaning up trash. Mm -hmm. Now, overall, Marshall Applewhite was your all-American boy during high school and college. Known to his friends as Herf, Applewhite was a member of the National Honor Society. He was highly involved in Bible studies. He was even a member of an a cappella group. Was this, is this called the Closeted Man McDonald Triad? <laughs> It really, it really is. It really just slamming my dick in the Bible, slamming my dick in the Bible. Not surprisingly, Applewhite was known to be an energetic extrovert with a magnetic personality. Really? Because, hey man, cult leaders aren't made, they're born. Yep. Yeah. Thing was though, as we've already referred to a couple times, Marshall Applewhite was gay, or at the very least, bisexual. He used the term bisexual, so I believe he is bisexual. That's Probably. how he said it, because he, he he got it up enough to make a family. Yeah. I mean, he had a go at marriage. He uh, married a woman named Ann Pierce, uh, had two kids with her, and for about 10 years, family just moved around the country while Applewhite worked various teaching jobs as a music instructor. But it all came to a head in Alabama in 1964. There... Applewhite was suspended from his job as a choral director for having an affair with a male student. Damn, I didn't realize. I forgot that we were in the deep south. 1960s, yeah. Mid-60s deep poor south. Poor bastard. That's he's not also, easy. He's also sort of being a university-level Brian Singer. So it's like <laughs> both that, too, where he is kind of... He is 
he's fucking seventeen year olds. I mean, no, no, no. These are college students. These are not high school students. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> You're incorrigible. Incorrigible. Well, following that, he separated from his wife and moved to Houston. Now, when it came to being openly gay or bisexual in Texas back in the 60s, the place to go where you could at the very least be accepted was the Houston neighborhood of Montrose. Mm. And that's exactly where Applewhite went. There, Applewhite lived with what was back then called a quote-unquote Male companion. Um, I'd like you to meet my butler. That's with <laughs> two T's. <laughs> oh man, that's um, you know, honestly, my heart does go out to him because yeah. this is not easy. You just have to imagine not being able to be open about who you are as a person, and sexuality is so important. So this must have really messed with him. Yeah. Well, pretty soon, Applewhite got a job at the University of Houston, but was again fired for allegedly having an affair with a student. Oh we don't God. know that now, for sure. That was just kind of a rumor, but he was he was fired under uh, suspicious circumstances. See, that's what I'm saying. Nowadays, if you're not having sex with men and females in, in college, you're out of there. That's what I'm you're saying. You're kicked out. I think you would love if he was 17 in 2020 going off to Syracuse. But think about how sexy it is. You got the choral thing out there. You got a tight young man with the saxophone, and you're trying to teach him how to play the saxophone. Whoa. Open your throat. <laughs> no, you have to open your throat. Coming around him, doing the thing where you, you know, how, like some people I've seen how you teach him to play golf by doing the sexy way by wrapping your arms around and taking his hands. Yeah, that's you how I taught you how to play golf. Absolutely, <laughs> and I'll remember it for forever. <laughs> you grab his hands and you move it up and down the saxophone. And you're putting it in his mouth and stuff like that. You're begging for a kiss. He was teaching singing, not saxophone. Yeah, Where did you not, get saxophone from? Did he show up? It's not the movie Ghost. He's not playing with pottery. It's rock and roll. up by Patrick Swayze. Well, Applewhite was fired from his next teaching job as well, except this time Applewhite was dismissed as the conductor of the Junior Boys Choir at St. Mark's Episcopal because of his interest in the occult, which back then just meant UFOs and mysticism. Isn't all of these religions occult interested? Like, doesn't it seem like all of like the Catholic Church, Episcopalian Church, they're so into the occult? Well, what have we learned from our Mormonism series? But I, the, there's often it's then it's again. Occult just means hidden knowledge, right? So all of this stuff is about how there is a there is a whole constructed background, a right. Byzantine structure to all of these religions that seem to all kind of come back to weird Gnosticism. But I miss the 1970s world of the occult because they have like books that are like crystals are for lovers and 1987, <laughs> the, the year a rainbow is president. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he wasn't sacrificing cats right, you know, or anything like that. He was interested in UFOs, and he did yoga sometimes. And oh. back then, that was the occult. Damn. He's not killing cats, but he can slay that pussy. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. <laughs> I, I think it's a pun. So by 1972, Marshall Applewhite had checked himself into the hospital, although we're not exactly sure why. His... Is it like, it's called redneck disease when you're surrounded <laughs> by them and you can't get away. His sister claims that he was there for a heart condition, but a friend of Applewhite's in Houston speculated that he was there for a drug overdose. Although the statement sort of sounds like the guy was just being the tiniest bit catty. Yeah, mm. and they also said he might have had a nervous breakdown. Eh, no, but that again, was that was easily debunked. Yeah. Yeah, the, the narrative in 1997 was that Marshall Applewhite had spent time in a mental hospital mm. in the 1970s. He didn't. This was just a regular hospital. Marshall Applewhite was not, quote unquote, crazy as much as everyone mm. wants him to be. Crazy as a fox. He's just smart. 
<laughs> he's smart, but I, again, no business sense. No. You charge for these classes. <laughs> right. You have adjudicators watching it. You build new technology that allows you, it looks all sci-fi. You put in the cans in their hands. You're sitting in the, the fucking Sea Org and the whole thing's going back and forth. You got somebody in a chrome suit swabbing the deck. He was a true believer. I he was know. the real deal. LRH was just a con man. You see, this is the difference between you and I. Where you do, I do believe Marshall Applewhite is a story of a true, true, true believer. True believer. But actually, I think it's like being high on crack and being a drug dealer you're high on your own supply baby the cult leader has to be clear of mind and have another pursuit involved like it's not about all of these beliefs and all the fucking classes it's about making that fucking cash buddy or getting a bunch of guns I can't wait to see you as a janitor at the lowest rung of a Scientologist when you're 50 years old everything's falling apart and you finally bite the bullet I'm trying to reverse OT8 that's gonna make me gay yeah <laughs> From your grave. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here with Katie Dirks. Letting you know about Kinda Fun. It's the LPN Wrestling Podcast. And dare I say, it's Kinda Fun, bringing you all the news you need to know about wrestling to keep you up to date. Yeah, we cover all sorts of news from across the wrestling industry, keep you updated, all the hot goss, all the fun stuff. Everything you need to know. So check out Kinda Fun on the LPN Network. It's kind of fun. Live from your grave. Brother Reed from The Story Must Be Told here, and without any context uh, whatsoever, here's a piece of an episode called Ghosts Are Hazy Life. Gruder rode in the passenger seat of Sylvie's Corolla like a sick dog. He slid on the seat at every stoplight, and twice got so scared he kicked the dash, scuffing the glove compartment with his dirty white orthopedics. He wouldn't tell her where they were going, and she wondered if he actually knew. He blurted each direction the moment it was needed. Right! And here! And stop! Gruder squealed like he was ready to throw up. Sylvie skidded to a stop on the shoulder of a busy freeway. At once, Gruder opened the door, ripped off his seatbelt, and ran into traffic. Uncle Gruder! Sylvie cried. Cars honked, each a howling blur. Yet, when she looked, Gruder was already across, waiting for her at the door of the Bethlehem Retirement Community. It was in this hospital that Marshall Applewhite met his other half, Aww. Bonnie Nettles. Now, surprisingly, we really don't know much about Bonnie's early life in comparison to Applewhite's, and we really don't know that much about Marshall Applewhite's early life. Hmm. We know nothing about Bonnie Nettles' childhood other that she was born in Houston in 1927 as Bonnie Lou Truesdale. What we do know is that she was a nurse by profession and was in the process of divorcing a man named Joseph Nettles when she met Applewhite. Hmm. See, Bonnie and Marshall's meeting was sort of one of those moments of kismet. Applewhite was certainly into UFOs, but his knowledge was intermediate at best. He'd read a few books. Nettles, on the other hand, her knowledge of the esoteric was so deep that it pulled Applewhite to the next level. Ooh. This is one of those stories of cruel fate because, again, it led to the deaths of 40 people. 39. They, we, uh, you know, and it, does it include Applewhite? Yeah. Great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you for correcting yeah. me on the number. Yep, you were one off there. The guy had to go jerk off, remember? <laughs> yes, but otherwise other it would have been died. us. It, it, it would have been, been even 40. 40. Other people, but it's this idea that the, she so happened to have 
this uh, uh, fucking she just happened to have the right tools yeah and met this other fucking sparkly eyed this guy who could kick his heel up over his ear you know what i mean Uh-oh. he's the fun sweet beautiful voice just nothing he's just a boy looking for a, a harbor to slide <laughs> his boat into and she's the big old boat hole and he's sliding that boat deep into that hole and she's got all this shit for madame blavatsky to load on the boat well it's really interesting we're we, we were happy to have henry um sort of conduct our wedding but uh he told the story of how we met and he used some analogies that were quite offensive to our Her friends and family big gape and cavern was filled <laughs> with marcus's monkeys just... they're all full of white and slick and they're, they're all yes. getting up in them eggs all fighting each other uh, see who gets to the top of them fucking Mr. Zabra, can we just get to the ideas please can we just uh hey you guys fucking <laughs> can we just get to the can... that's my question you guys fucking that's not the i do part the, the wedding's over <laughs> Nettles was a member of the Houston branch of the Theosophical Society of America, which was founded in 1875 by who else but the secret puppet master of the 20th century, Madame Helena Blavatsky, who influenced everyone from David Bowie to Adolf Hitler. Don't. Uh, I'm surprised you did that equation. The, the, uh, no, I'm not equating them No, at I all. know, but D- David Bowie's. you know what I'm going to say? Better than Hitler. <laughs> very good. Thank no, you. No, I'm <laughs> saying I'm saying that she influenced That's everyone a... from the very good to the very bad. Right. She's right. very iconic. She, Madame Madame Blavatsky was the J.J. Kale of the occult. <laughs> Who is J.J. Kale? Uh, Eric Clapton's inspiration, man. You should fucking get into that shit, dog. Come Eric on. Clapton's inspiration? I thought his inspiration was his Dude, son who passed away. You already, Kissel is already starting to do the Hawaiian goodbye and hello. <laughs> yeah, I'm Jason fucking, Momoa. He's doing the thing. You're not. <laughs> We're not. But he's starting to do that Hawaiian goodbye hello. Uh, I think you're ready for J.J. Kale. Okay, I'll check it out. Yeah, you'd probably like J.J. Kale quite a bit. Hey, man, I'm just going through my Jimmy Buffett phase now. What's that? It's parrot on my head. <laughs> well, theosophy was a pastiche of a number of different religions like Buddhism, Hinduism, and Christianity, and it was all mixed in with a healthy dash of Western occult traditions like those practiced by the infamous magician Aleister Crowley. Ooh. What Theosophy taught was that the human soul went through multiple incarnations and that those in the Theosophical Society could learn from a series of spiritual masters, secret chiefs, if you will, who came from distant physical or spiritual planes of existence, but mostly they were from Venus. Oh. They had summer homes on Venus. <laughs> but I hope not could, a timeshare. But they could, appear, they could appear to be both physical and non-physical. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, this concept was wildly influential on the later teachings of Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles, who would take the idea of the Ascended Masters and transpose them to both Christian theology and themselves. Hmm. Fun side note about Theosophical Society, they later became Mark Prophet's Lighthouse Summit, which eventually evolved into the decidedly more apocalyptic Church Universal Triumphant, or Cut. I thought you were going to say the Alan Parsons Project, but <laughs> that'd be fucking cool. That's man. pretty cool. Fucking mind how, games, man. So how many religions started with Christianity? Jim Jones, right? That was a Christian-based cult. Uh, it seems like this has roots in Christianity. Does, how many Most of them. cults began with organized 
most traditional co- religion. M- most cults have some sort of grounding in you know Western or Eastern religions. Was like the major Rikyo, religions. Was was Umshin Rikyo the only? Because they weren't religious at all. There was they no had, ties to religion. Right? They did. They had some. Yeah. It is. It's. They all need frameworks. Yeah. To exist mm. upon because the whole point is like like we saw with Mormonism, like we saw with Jonestown. The idea is that it starts at one point and then it has to kind of jump to somewhere of, and this is where things are a little bit different. Right, yeah. right. I think maybe the uh, the Raelians, uh, not the Raelians, the Raelians. Oh, Rael is doing good. He's getting fat. He's, He's having a good time. Very fat. I think the Raelians uh, are more of an alien-focused group. I don't know a whole lot about them, but okay. I don't think they have a whole lot of grounding in something else. But for the... For the most part, most cults do have they, – because they have to have something for people to hold on to. Right. You have to have that that one thing that's familiar uh, so the cult leader can take you on the big ride. I see. And that's what, we'll, what you see if you even attempt to read the book by Sawyer. I'm not going to say the title again. That is 912 pages. <laughs> the first 100 pages are highly interesting. A look from the inside of – the inside of Heaven's, Heaven's Gate for 20 years. But the – Back half, the back half, the eight hundred pages <laughs> are biblical proofs that what T and Doe said were real. So oh. you'll see that what they did was deftly maneuver between we take the Bible literally to Jesus was a phantom alien identity that worked its way into a human being. Again, next episode, I'll do this. Yeah. Now that would have gotten me into it if they would have said that in in uh, church school or whatever the hell I was. What do you call that? Uh, Sunday school. Sunday school. Well, besides just learning about ascended masters, discarnated spirits, telepathic abilities, UFOs, and channeling spirits, Bonnie Nettles also learned enough to write the astrology column in her local newspaper. Oh, cool. Furthermore, Nettles also hosted regular seances at her home with her friends. They channeled everyone from the Theosophical Venusians to that old seance standby, Marilyn Monroe. And that was just Becky showing everybody her underwear. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, this is pretty great. I would be a house husband in this situation for this woman. I'd show up with little smoky sausages wrapped in (laughs) wonderful crusties. Honestly, Kissel would make a great husband to the female cult leader. Ooh, yeah, I'm just hanging wow. out, man, because I just go down and zip zap and talk politics, all this nonsense in the human world, and then they come up and they're trying to, I don't know, scream at Kissel. Freaking oh, man, H. H. Holmes or something. That's what we need to do for you. We need to make you a witch husband. He's such a good witch husband because <laughs> he can just sit in a lawn chair with his sunglasses on, drinking BLs, and if she says anything crazy and people go, Benjamin, do you believe in the prophecies of Philandria? And he can just go, yeah, what are you going to do about it? You know? <laughs> That's exactly how I react to most things you say. Sure. I don't know. Well, Bonnie's husband did not react in this way. No. In fact, she was so into studying the occult that those studies completely took over her life. And since he didn't approve of the theosophical lifestyle, he began divorce proceedings in 1972. Oh, man. See, it's fun to have. I don't mind quirky people who come out of nowhere with their crazy stories. It's more, It's entertaining. It is, but not when it's it's so diametrical to anything that you have lived with before. I I, I guess. I kind of I mean, get it because I changed into a different person in my previous relationship, and Natalie met a man way more devoted to UFOs, and luckily she's into it. Yeah. Well, because of course. Two, two people in a relationship both have to be into UFOs. Yeah. Sure. For it to last. Or at least willing to hear about it ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it was while Bonnie was right in the middle of her divorce that she met Marshall Applewhite. And these two hit it off from the moment they met. Applewhite said, I felt like I've known her my entire life. And pretty soon, Nettles was doing Applewhite's astrological chart, and they quickly surmised that they had known each other in a previous life. Always. What a coincidence. <laughs> the difference was that in this incarnation, they had both been tasked with an important mission, although they did not yet know what that mission was. But hey, let's make our first mission to get coffee ASAP. <laughs> Love is All right, Marshall. <laughs> that sounds right to me. That's, that's her voice? That's why she never spoke. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Marshall, tell them we are the gallum. I'm the father and you're the son. Sounds like if a, if a tremor could talk. <laughs> And this symbiotic relationship was exactly what both of them needed. Nettles had always been more interested in the spiritual over the physical. And all of Applewhite's relationships with both men and women had all been empty failures. Mm. Applewhite, he was actually ready to just give up on relationships completely. But he still wanted a partner. And that was the hole that Bonnie Nettles filled perfectly. Hmm. Now, admittedly. It's like Mike Pence's wife. <laughs> <laughs> She's more of a hole in a basket. <laughs> now, admittedly, people did say that Applewhite came off as, quote unquote, crazy during this time period. What? <laughs> but as Benjamin Ziller points out in his book on Heaven's Gate, Bonnie Nettles was in complete control of her facilities. Hmm. And it was her knowledge of mystical and ufological subjects that made up the lion's share of their more esoteric beliefs. Oh. The wackadoo stuff. She was the real engine. Yeah. She actually saw it. I think when it was almost in a Stella got her groove back right. kind of moment, eat, pray, love, where she was like, instead of cops, how about we make a whole bunch of people follow us around the country? <laughs> she was not evil. You're making her sound like an evil. I don't think that sounds evil. It sounds like I don't even. You know what? I think it. But what's weird, though, is that it's not about evil, but I really think she was the manipulative one. She was the real, the 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 actual problem here mm -hmm. because she saw all of this as just a way to get out of Houston. Her shitty, mm. dumb life. She didn't want to be a mom. She didn't want to be a housewife. She she felt that she was blessed, that she wanted more from her existence. And sure. instead of taking pottery classes or going back to college or some shit or just leaving town, she saw Marshall Applewhite as her first fucking victim. <laughs> like that motherfucker <laughs> fell right in because the first thing he said was. What's your sign? And then she, it was like she knew immediately. She'd be like, I can tell you everything about that is also your impression of Jackie Zabrowski, your sister from page seven. So you are channeling some very interesting things today. So within months of this fateful meeting in the hospital, Nettles and Applewhite jointly opened the Christian Art Center inside the First Unitarian Church of Houston, marking their first attempt to gain followers. Hmm. Problem was... Nobody was responding to all the bland, same old, same old New Age bullshit they were selling. All the astrology and mm. yoga and meditation and metaphysics. No one gave a shit. Right. And as a result, the center closed after only a few months. From there, Nettles and Applewhite left the city and traveled to an unspecified location just outside of Houston in the Texas countryside, which they called the No Place, spelled 
K-N-O-W. The oh. No Place. Oh, is these it puns. a fucking crystal shop if the name isn't a pun? <laughs> it has to be. It, it always has to be like the path to fortune or something. Like some bullshit. It has to Rocks be. Rocks of Ages. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm very excited when you get your occult bookstore. I, I can't wait to know the name. I already have my name in my bookstore. Henry's Occult. That is punny. No, no, it's from Ray's Occult. It's from Ghostbusters 2. Yeah. But you're just going to put your name in there. Yep. It's not really punny at all. It's not No, at it's all. not. I, I kind of misheard it. I didn't realize it was so simple. No, it's like, <laughs> and it's, I already Occult. thought about it. I'm not going to do that. It's just going to be called Henry's Occult? Yep. Out of all the creative things you've ever done. <laughs> Keep it simple. <laughs> you're the one who's flawed. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> okay. Well, in the no place... Applewhite and Nettles both taught and studied New Age beliefs, and eventually they met an occultist from the Philippines who offered them spiritual guidance. The occultist confirmed that they were indeed correct in their assumption that they had a special mission, and he thus gave them new names. That's cool. (laughs) Some of these fucking cult leaders hanging out, giving each other nicknames like everybody's playing pool at the Wahlberg's house, just fucking (laughs) high-fiving each other, being like, we're calling him fucking short because he's short. He's like, fuck yeah, Donnie, it's hilarious. (laughs) I mean, this was the time of the cult leader in America. Like, there were all these tiny little cult leaders, and we're going to meet a few of them throughout the course of this episode. Cool. But this guy, he renamed Bonnie Shakti Devi, which means... Powerful goddess. Okay. Applewhite, though, was dubbed Shri Pranabal, which roughly translates to Dickless Herf. <laughs> oh, Dickless Herf. Come on. What do we got? Wait a second. I still have my dick. Mm, oh, that's long. an idea. That <laughs> <laughs> means auspicious mantra. Oh, that's a sad nickname. That's like being told you're a great listener. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. No, it's successful mantra. Okay. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not going to get into it, but I can see how it's a fine name. It's definitely not powerful goddess. No. But it's okay. okay. All I know is this occultist was not from the Philippines. He was from fucking Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, bolstered by the confidence bestowed upon them by the Filipino occultist, Bonnie Nettles and Marshall Applewhite gave themselves a joint pseudonym, the first of many that they'd have over the next 10 years. They began to refer to themselves as the two. Hmm. So, after their time at the No Place, the two hopped in a car and started a journey through the western United States, but it all came to a halt when their car broke down in Portland. This... That is how everyone stays in Portland. (laughs) Everyone who lived there, the car broke down, I guess we're here. No, Portland's a very... People love Portland. In 1972, I would say that's how a lot of people ended up in Portland. Oh, well. Now a lot of people are leaving because it got too expensive again. Mm -hmm. Huh. Huh. But this breakdown in Portland ended up being a fortuitous setback. Applewhite and Nettle spent the next few months camped on the banks of the Rogue River, and it was during this time that they received a joint revelation that told them exactly what their special purpose was. Yes! They believed that they were the two witnesses from the Book of Revelation, described as either two olive trees or two lampstands, who were able to devour their enemies with fire that flows forth from their mouths. And some dangerous-ass lamps! (laughs) Yeah, definitely not safe. (laughs) Well, that was like, because it's all that weird, esoteric 
imagery from the book of revelations where it is it's two witnesses could be people it could be these two trees that set people on fire and i'm not really <laughs> certain because we now know from our episode in the book of revelations that all this was political satire anyway so it's all gobbledygook oh yeah yeah, yeah it's fucking crazy Keep and it broad unfortunate thing about this revelation though is in the book of Revelations, the beast that ascendeth from out of the bottomless pit was destined to overcome and kill Applewhite and Nettles. Ooh. And for three and a half days afterward, the people of Earth would celebrate their deaths. It's like when Seth Rollins beat Brock Lesnar. People were very happy. Brock Lesnar is the beast of the WWE. He was universal champion. Now he's just WWE champion. Lost he, on us. Well, he was a wrestler. He was undefeated in Minnesota. Lost on your friends and your business partners. Don't know what you're talking about. Well, Brock Lesnar. It's like when you talk about Dune. <laughs> okay. Okay, I understand now. Well, after the Earth celebrated their death for three and a half days, God would resurrect Bonnie and Marshall and take them up to heaven in a cloud. Following this realization, Nettles and Applewhite became millennialists who believed that they would be killed in the final days. At least that's what they believed for the time being. And this here is where Applewhite's influence comes in. See, Bonnie Nettles hadn't grown up in the church, but remember Applewhite was the son of a Presbyterian minister, and he had briefly attended seminary. Interestingly, though, the inclusion of revelation in their belief system was a rebellion all on its own on Applewhite's part because mm. his father's faith ignored revelation. Really? And Presbyterianism declares apocalyptic talk to be heresy. But revelation, all of this shit is super sexy. It is. A, yeah. It's cool as fuck. Yeah. It's very metal. It and is. It gives this whole template for the end of the world, which is what you find as a cult leader when you're again. Well, we've how many times we've done this when we've talked about these cult these cult leaders. You need a timeline. Mm -hmm. You need an end point. Yeah. You need a place to shoot towards. But obviously, they will manipulate this. But it has to start from somewhere. We it has did. to start from somewhere. Evangelicalism loves revelations. Mm -hmm. Pastor Matt, after uh, he forced the congregation, which is extremely poor, to build his mansion for him, uh, <laughs> he did a full month on revelations. And it was one of the only church services, full month church services, that a 11-year-old Ben really kind of enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. It's fucking dope. It's crazy. But they think it's real. Then you ready to hear where that shit comes from? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, Kissel, you just shat. <laughs> That's how I know it's a yes. <laughs> well, this belief that the end was near was wildly fashionable in America in the early 70s. A couple of years before the two had their revelation, an evangelical named Hal Lindsey released an eventual bestseller named The Late Great Planet Earth, which predicted the end of the world. And this might be surprising to some of you, but the idea of a fast-approaching biblical apocalypse is a fairly new thing in America. This is only in the last 40, 50 years that mm. we've really been talking about this. And it was Hal Lindsey who introduced the idea that revelations could be applied to contemporary culture and he espoused that idea to the 15 million people who read his book yeah dude we you, are not doing well have you <laughs> 15 million read this crazy man's book have you watched the series i have not i sat and watched uh as much as i could fold into my brain the late great planet earth uh it's on youtube and it's good for two things the first 20 minutes are fucking killer. Yeah. They talk about the <laughs> the end times. It's Orson Welles reading Revelation, Ooh. right? It's fucking really? awesome. I it's it's a lot of fun. 
And then it goes off the rails immediately. Because number two, what you realize is that the late great the the late great planet Earth says all of this this shit is going to happen. And it's a fear mongering thing talking about how with the birth of the state of Israel and yes. the idea of like reclaiming Jerusalem as the holy place for uh-huh. Christianity, all this kind of shit. Um, you realize that um nothing none of that happened. Yeah, none They're of all the stuff that they it. said yeah. it was going to happen hasn't. But you know what I mean? Like the end times haven't happened. Yeah, but the, all that shit that we that the evangelicals believe about, like you know, it's important for Israel to be a part of the end times and revelation. This comes from Hal Lindsey. This comes from one fucking dude. And you had Hal Lindsey in 1970 releasing this book. You had the TV series in 1976. You got The Exorcist in 1973, Woo! sandwiched right in the middle, and when you take all those three things together, you'll start to get an idea of how the apocalyptic Christian devil gained the foothold in America that he still has to this day. There is something to the aging brain, right? Because the world does end when you die. It's all gone. I feel like the boomer generation is almost willing us towards the apocalypse, and we sort of seem to be sort of forgetting the fact that, like, we're going to need those oceans and, like, all those trees and stuff. Yeah. And I wonder if that plays into it, like, this sort of narrative where it's, like, almost wanting the end of the world to prove themselves right. Of course. Absolutely. All these seven-year-olds are going to be dead soon, and after that, because they don't care anymore, because they assume the whole world will be over by the time they're dead, because it's true, because they won't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. The world to them will not exist anymore. And they also believe that uh, the goal in life is to hoard as much gold as possible, like a storybook dragon. Mm. Cool smoke. (laughs) 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 Now, this apocalyptic belief was quite the departure from what Bonnie Nettles and Marshall Applewhite were preaching prior to Rogue River. Before, they were still in New Age mode, pretty much talking exclusively about humanity reaching its full potential. But still, they didn't fully abandon those ideas. Instead, they combined them with the Book of Revelation, using what's now called progressive millennialism. In this, the world will end but without all the plagues and earthquakes and wars. An example would be the concept of 2012, the, that there's supposed to be a shift, that mm-hmm. a cha- there's I mean, a new chapter to society. And what you're hoping is that with that chapter closing and a new one opening, that it's going to create a, a surge of psychic awareness and togetherness and all this shit. I mean, yeah, might, 40 million people might have to die. But <laughs> sure. During that time period, yeah, it's going to be rough for some people. Everybody else is going to be able to talk to fish. <laughs> The band or the animal? I mean, they're both uh, as difficult to get across to. I'm talking to you, Trey and Nostalgia. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, in their scenario, yes, Bonnie and Marshall would be martyred. But instead of going up to heaven in a cloud, a UFO would descend and take the two along with their followers to a heavenly utopia that actually existed far away in another corner of the universe. It's called Boca Raton. (laughs) Come sail away, come sail away, come sail away with me. Thinking about that, man. Thinking about Rush a lot recently. I know you are. Big ups to Neil Peart, man. Big ups to Neil Peart, R.I.P. It does sound like a great fantasy. Yeah, I mean, yes, bad things were going to happen to those left behind, but who could say... What those things were. And more importantly, who cares? Who gives a shit? We did it, buddy. (laughs) Interesting. All the two knew was that God was an extraterrestrial being and heaven was a physical place one could travel to without dying. Now, that last part, as we all know, 
would eventually change. Mm. But in the beginning, the two taught that the bodies of their adherents would, through a biological and chemical process, be transformed into perfected extraterrestrial beings, and they would live eternally in the next evolutionary level above human, or Tela for short. And how we'll, how they do that is what we will come to know is eating beets. <laughs> Literally eating nothing but beets. Well, no, that was just one of the many <laughs> diets that they tried. Honestly, they, though, they beets try- are also back. I Everyone's, love, I love everyone beets. loves beets I now. I love beets. We, next episode, we'll try to even more sum up their full-on extensive belief system, which is not that extensive. They just can't fucking shut up about it. So it ends up being very long and complicated, even though it's really not. It They're sounds just like a the beet same- leaf system. <laughs> <laughs> They're just saying the same thing over and over and over again. In different ways. Well, they wanted to do in this form, the idea was they would do what they would call the demonstration, mm. which would be they would be crucified. They would be literally, literally crucified. They would be crucified and then rose from the dead afterwards by the God creator alien being that mm-hmm. is not even <clears throat> God because there's the unknowing personalityless creator God with all of the weird gods underneath it. Our God is just one of them. Like, ah, this is, I'm already there. I'm yeah. already doing it. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but you know, that's what it's all about. Few things, but just kind of reinvented. That's Taco Bell's whole menu. If you ever get $50 <laughs> worth of Taco Bell, by the end of it, that chalupa tastes just like the Mexican pizza. The Mexican pizza just tastes just, just like the quesadilla or, ooh, what do they call those things? The Crunchwrap Supreme. Uh, the, but it's uh, all the same. Taquerito? No, Crunchwrap Supreme. Uh. <laughs> That's what it's called. But it but, is the same ingredients over and over. It's reinvented. You know, ben, you accidentally hit on a good point here. I did it on purpose. <laughs> I never get any. Yes, I use food as an analogy, but that to relate to the people. But the thing is that Nettles and Applewhite, they always kept their theology firmly rooted in Bible verse. They sold all of this as an interpretation of Scripture, which, when you really think about it, is a very Protestant idea. Not necessarily evangelical, but Protestant. Because Baptists interpret the Bible differently from Methodists, who interpret it differently from Lutherans, who interpret it differently from the Church of Christ, and so on and so forth. Well, the Church of Christ believes in cinnamon sticks as a good dessert. And that is disgusting. <laughs> and no music. No music. No it's, music. Yeah, it's weird. Church of Christ is real weird. What do they do? Oh, isn't that music? Oh, oh. Well, they just sing. Yeah, they because yeah. f- they believe all its it pleasures are bad. Any sort of pleasure, any earthly oh, pleasure. Can, well, at the very least, yeah. within the church. Um, but yeah, they're not not big on music. My grandparents weren't really big music people. Your parents were in this church, or your grandparents were in this church? Yeah, I mean, it's not a cult. It's no, no, a, I know. It's, it's a very, yeah, it's, it's very famous. Uh-huh. I just didn't realize because music is so in in uh, most religions. Yeah, it's yeah, used yeah. in most. Well, they still sing, but no, the evangelicals were like, check out my new guitar. Like they were always like <laughs> rocking with drums and stuff. The thing is, if you start tapping your toes, sometimes if you're just the right amount of jiggle. Those boobies start bouncing, mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. that's that's the first. It's bad. That's the first it's thing bad. that make your make your your bubby tingle. Uh-oh. <laughs> Don't do it. Well, all Applewhite and Nettles really did when it comes to a Protestant point of view. They made the Bible a sci-fi novel. Yeah. Oh. They just changed it up. They, they didn't change it up. They just said, this is our interpretation. And this idea that aliens and God were one and the same was something they leaned into from the very beginning. They'd book conference rooms, they'd hold talks, and they'd do it all under the title UFO and the Kingdom. This They're is bringing how, it both together. This is how you hook the nerds. Right, you right. got to get them in the seats because you know what nerds do? Homework. Yep. <laughs> they will be there. They will do the work that that is created. I've, I want to question. This is my question. 
So they're pulled over on the side of the road, right? They're living in an encampment. What made them, what do you think? It's like, how do they sit and talk about, like, do you think it's a cynical conversation? I mean, no. like, we need a hook, baby. We need to get bucket <laughs> She's no. getting more sailor-like every time you do Absolutely her. Absolutely not. You're reading a Bonnie Nettles. T- yeah, I don't. Th- no, I- I'm not. I'm not. I'm asking you. I'm asking the question of, like, mm-hmm. do you think that this is a cynical understanding of, like, this is where, or they are just so desperate to feel like they are an important part of society, mm. that they they're looking for people, like because at some point, like because are they just looking through famous couples and Marshall Apple is like, are we Sonny and Cher? It's no, like, nah, nah. Are we Romeo and Juliet? <laughs> nah, nah, nah. <laughs> but it's like, how do you find where you land as a cult leader? They're true believers, yeah. And that's one of the conversations okay. that we had when when you know we were going through the story is that you have a very hard time with true belief. And under like with like true belief and like knowing what like the true belief when it comes to like Protestantism, like where that comes from, because these people were they were not cynical. I don't think that Bonnie Nettles was trying to manipulate anybody like these people were like true believers in a very real sense. But on some that's point, why it took a month. They their revelation was after months of conversating. But at, conversing. at some point. You do choose. I don't have a. I don't have trouble understanding the true believers. I understand that people can look, can see this, and the, you just have to have no base personality to pull pull <laughs> right. this into. You have to be kind of like a a, a fucking. You have to be a blank slate yeah. to be able to infuse somebody else's philosophy into being like, and you, that's all you believe, and you are, you are just like a, in a cone of belief where they are at, right? But which I, I so I do understand that. Yeah. But on some level, you do kind of have to consciously choose. This is our story. Yeah, they definitely right. choose this is our story, but it's not a cynical choice. It is an evolution. Like it is that one conversation builds on another conversation builds on another conversation until and they're having these conversations for months. They're just sitting next to a fucking river in a right. campsite and doing nothing but talking. And eventually they just decide like this is it. This is what feels right. And I think that's what it is. Is that they just talk until they say this is what feels right. Now Let's go tell the people. You know I, what would really would have helped here? One of those a thousand piece puzzles. Oh my god! It <laughs> outside, takes a weekend. Oh, outside that's a nightmare. The wind. Whew. Hey man, then it adds sort of like a weird physical level to putting <laughs> yeah. together a puzzle. You got to find all the pieces when it blows away at night. You got to do what my mom did and glue every piece together so that you can make it, put it on the coffee table for months and months, and then we have to say that was really good work, mom. It's a definitely a big. It's a carriage. <laughs> But I guess it might not be cynical, but the business aspect of it. You think about like a Joel Osteen, right? Like he's oh, up well, there and he's well, doing he's all this stuff. He's cynical. He's he an is asshole. cynical, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but did they have the business acumen no. to go? They they weren't even thinking about no. like no. any of Again, that. Okay. No, no RLRH, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. Th- they're not thinking about the monetary okay. value okay. of this at all. No, no, no. They're they're not evil monsters like Joel Osteen. I see. But these beats cost money. <laughs> they do. <laughs> these haircuts, while it is a cheap haircut, cost money. These beats don't. <laughs> grow underground actually (laughs) (laughs) well in fact what they would do is they would 
essentially let their once they did start getting followers they would let their coffers run out and then when everything when they had no money they would tell their followers like okay go out and work an odd job like a janitor job or something right. something with no track something with no uh, something that you're not really going to get into go out work an odd job for a little bit make a little bit of money and then come back and it's just work it's just getting day to day yeah it's you do the job though <laughs> old t and no here we we sit we think you though have to go work at yeah. TJ Maxx. Well, I don't know what you got to do. That is an I odd mean, job. Uh, being an extraterrestrial is a, a job. Full time job. <laughs> it does take a little bit of brain power, and if my brain is completely wiped after a whole day of being Jesus Christ alien, I'm not gonna go out and sweep a fucking floor for no, no chump. You gonna no. tell me I'm gonna go do returns for eight hours? <laughs> no, seriously, I have to keep my pussy closed. Uh, very good. <laughs> and so with their message more or less worked out, Nettles and Applewhite returned to Houston in May of 1974 and got their first follower <gasps> right off the bat, a woman named Sharon Walsh. Oh. She reminds me of the super fan dude from Tenacious D. <laughs> <laughs> now, even though Bonnie Nettles was the creative force behind most of this, Bonnie didn't have no zazz. No. She didn't have zazz? No zazz. What do you mean I don't have any zazz? I think you got zazz. Look how big my one fun is. I got one big fun, I got one small fun. That's need, zazz. Isn't that enough to get groups around me, get some spectators? But you you mentioned their first follower. We remember our first listener who yeah. was a fan. Izzy, remember her? Yeah, of course I remember from, Izzy. Uh, from British Columbia, I believe. If you're still li- listening. No, Izzy's from Mexico. Mexico. Yeah. Wow. Still, yeah. if completely opposite sides of the continent. <laughs> We're in the ether here. We're in the what is what is land? What is space? What what oh, is no. location? Oh no! I just heard um, like your final defense attorney's argument <laughs> at whatever trial you're in. But the Zaz, I mean, that's Applewhite, baby. That's mm. where Applewhite comes in. Applewhite's the visionary. Yeah, he was an acapella group. Yeah. But- <laughs> Okay, I'm not. I didn't see him that way. What? I'm sorry. Just destroyed the microphone. Gotta sell it. Well, Applewhite was the one who could deliver the message in a vaguely coherent fashion. The message that Applewhite delivered was so strong that Sharon Walsh, that first follower, she knew the two from the Christian Art Center. She knew them from the No Place. But after she heard this new message. Six days after hearing it, abandoned her family completely and left with the two to spread the gospel across America. She, it seems like she wanted an excuse to abandon her family. She might have just <laughs> gone along with a carnival somewhere. Being a mom is hard. Yeah. But I saw a lot of these types because my mom uh, was a member of an Al-Anon group and we used to go to an interfaith church uh, off of Astoria Boulevard that, you know, but it was filled with a lot of kind of lost souls mm-hmm. that were really looking for adherence. I saw yeah. a lot of Heaven's Gate haircuts in that environment. Mm-hmm. Simple. Yes. Well, in Boise... The two and Sharon tried converting an anthropology professor by just walking into his office, telling him, you got to drop everything and leave with us immediately. You mean I got to drop all my books? Because <laughs> you know what? We got a UFO to heaven coming, buddy. And he's like, yeah? <laughs> I'm kind of sold. Come on. Let's go. Um, but uh, you're three. You smell. First of all, you smell. And what's your name? My name's Bonnie. You don't talk anymore. <laughs> this guy, he said they were sincere. 
but they had weird eyes. Yeah. He said that's what turned them off. He's like, I didn't like their eyes. I said no. And they also mm. failed to convert a local psychic in Boise. Also said, nah. In wow. fact, every single person they talked to on that trip gave them a polite no. I think you have to build it. And they will come. Field of dream style. It takes some time. Make some swings throughout there. You know what? You don't hit the home runs you don't swing for. That's right. right. That's well, absolutely correct. Sure. But you also don't strike out and then lose the game for your team. Yeah. Maybe four balls. Four balls. <laughs> Three bases, huh? <laughs> no, it was four bases. You just got it. They tried. They were trying. They were trying. <laughs> well, then Sharon's guilt about leaving her family started settling in. And after she had a long sit down with her husband and her daughters, she was convinced to come back home after only four months of being on the road talking to strangers about heavenly UFOs. Plenty of time to abandon your family. Just get back. <laughs> just you, get back there. Do you really want mom back yeah. after all this shit? She I, just, she literally. I think so. You met two boobs. And you immediately <laughs> left. <laughs> well, she'd known the boobs before. Exactly. She'd done, she'd done a couple of classes with the boobs. I almost even understand if you just met the boobs and you just like, <laughs> right. and they had the van revving and they're like, there's a UFO down to Highway 95. We're going to go catch it right now. I understand the urgency wanting to leave, but you've already had a cooling period with these <laughs> right. two morons. Right. But the boobs had a new thing to say. They had a new message. They had uh, a nice nipple. <laughs> Now, the two losing their only follower was bad enough, but things got even worse when Sharon's husband, who was naturally holding a bit of a grudge, yeah. charged Applewhite and Nettles with credit card fraud mm. because they'd used his gas card when they were on the road. But eventually, Sharon did convince her husband to drop the charges because she said, I let them use the gas card. Technically, it's our gas card. So... Drop the charges. Sharon, you abandoned your family. <laughs> yeah, this might be grounds for divorce. And the thing was, the initial arrest brought up something else on Applewhite's record. Turned out, Applewhite had rented a car with an expired credit card, which meant he'd essentially stolen the car. No, but you don't understand. They wrote a letter. This is true. They wrote a letter to the rental company <laughs> explaining that... It will all be paid for, and we have the car. They did not car. dumb and dumber this. <laughs> they literally did. They, That's as good as money. That's as good as money. Oh, this is for $270,000. You're going to want to keep that. <laughs> well, for that crime, Marshall Applewhite served six months in the county jail. But this incident points towards an interesting shift in the two's perceptions about themselves. And we see this shift in most cult leaders. Although I didn't know there was a name for it. There's a real fun name for it. Antinomianism. That is a fun name, Marcus. <laughs> we like it. Antinomianism. Marcus, like and it. I, Marcus and I were excited to find the term. Yeah, we no, were very excited. It, it, it is very cool. Yeah, well, in stealing the car, or at least defrauding the company, Applewhite and Nettles believe themselves to be above the law because of their self-proclaimed exalted profit status. And this belief that the laws of man no longer apply to those who are on a mission from God is known as antinomianism. Like the Blues Brothers. <laughs> and everyone from Jim Jones to David Koresh utilize that belief throughout their reigns of terror because one time actually they were at this pizza restaurant uh tea and dough and tea she picked up the pizza well, we haven't got to tea and dough yet you're right but I'll, so i'll say i'll refer to bonnie i'll use their earth names i'll use their <laughs> that's very good their government names she took the pizza and she flipped it around because normally from the the small side of the pizza <laughs> wait, wait, wait. and she turned she's like hey marshall take on them out i'm supposed to start right here i'm gonna flip me scream yeah, yeah and she bit into crust first get the and there get was a, a lonely pizza chef in the back who turned around and he saw it and he was just like 
my God. <laughs> That's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And he went on to go into, because he lived in this little shack, this, almost like a hut. Right. <laughs> And he went back to his little hut, and he bore... They, it's not just some regular hut now. No, yeah. no, no, no. It became a pizza hut. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> All right. But again, Marshall Applewhite turned this seeming setback into an opportunity to further solidify his and Nettles' theology. It was while he was sitting in the county jail that he realized that he and Nettles, they weren't humans. They were aliens yeah. who were inhabiting human bodies. So I could, uh, can I go then? So can I go now? <laughs> and they weren't the only aliens who had visited Earth from what they called the next level, TNL. Even though Jesus Christ was the son of God, he was also an alien because God was actually an alien as well. Very similar to, very similar to Mormonism. Mm. And with this, Nettles and Applewhite solidified the basic structure of the cult that would take them all the way to the end. And pretty soon after the solidification... They started gathering father. They started gathering followers for real. Damn. This was also around the time they decided on a name change. They briefly went by Guinea and Pig because they considered themselves to be a part of the cosmic experience. And they thought it was cute. Yup. Get it? I am Guinea. This is my friend Pig. <laughs> Don't say anything about my weight. I'm actually feeling really kind of self-conscious about my vehicle. Shut up, pig. <laughs> yeah, you're a little piggy. Guinea pig. All right. Guinea and pig. No, I know, but it's guinea pig. Yeah, it's guinea pig. Yeah, because yeah. it's part of the cosmic experience. Of course. Eventually, though, they settled on Bo and Peep because they were the shepherds of humanity. God, these guys are nerds. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. This is rough. You're dorks. These are, this dork. That's good. Yeah. Dork is a very... I think dork is better than doofus. Yeah. Doofus is for the followers. Dork, dork is for yeah. the leaders. I agree. I and hear the, that. On the hierarchy of nerd, I believe dork is above doofus. Right. But as far as gathering followers went, the turning point for Nettles and Applewhite came in April of 1975 when they were invited to speak at a metaphysical meetup hosted by a wannabe cult leader named Clarence Klug. Now, Clarence Klug straight up in like a checkered suit covered in sweat. He owes money to like 50 people. Like He's essentially Adam Sandler from Uncut Gems a little bit where he is just he is under a lot of heat. He's got a lot of, he's got a lot of fucking irons in the fire. He's got a lot of plates going and he's just like he needs a bump. He needs to get his cult to the next level and he just really can't uh, find the hook. Yeah. Swiping his brow like he's a king of comedy like Freddie Mac. <laughs> See, Clug was trying for pretty much the same thing that Applewhite and Nettles were going for, except he combined revelations with chakras and tantric energy. But Clug bucked up. Hmm. He asked for too much too soon. He asked his followers for a whole shitload of cash because he said that his teachings were so important that they needed to be put into print. But since no publisher was willing to print the fucking truth, we're going to have to self-publish this damn thing ourselves. Listen, so, guys, come listen. on, guys. Hey, guys, come on. Hey, listen, all right, the, the writing's on the wall here, all right? You know the world's got to go. How much should it help you? How much should help you? Huh? You got 15 grand? Do you have 15 grand? Listen. <laughs> I know we're going to publish this book. It's going to be a big deal. Everybody's going to just change everybody. Don't worry, buddy, buddy. But the first thing I have to do is I got to take that 15 grand. I got to triple it. KG is going to make it tonight. I got to go and I got to put it a triple, double, triple, single? Triple, double. Yeah, and the, the on the, Kel the Celtics. What do you think a triple, double is? I Honestly, basketball. I haven't had it at the Wendy's since I was in high school. 
<laughs> well, problem was, Klug was running a pretty shitty cult. Oh. Everything was in disarray. They were being torn apart by petty relationship problems, and those relationship problems were only being made worse because the cult was full of vicious gossips. Mm. Yeah, I've got to nip that in the bud. Got to nip do? that in the bud. And that's why a good cult, honestly... You need a little bit of corporal punishment. And I know you're going to push back on me. Everybody but pushes back on me. didn't have any corporal punishment. This is what I'm Never. saying. Again, LRH understood sometimes you have to put a guy in a trash can and dump a bunch of cold water on him so he <laughs> understands who's boss. Well, that's not very nice to do, though. It's not nice to do, but how the hell are you going to walk through walls and talk to Zeno? But they, but they don't actually ever get to walk through walls. Yeah, They're they just don't being do any mean. of that. All that's just lies. Yeah, David Miscavige is just screaming, screaming, screaming like little people do. He's got his wife locked in a room somewhere life is full of funny little mysteries <laughs> lessons they're teaching lessons to uh-huh. the group Lido too understood okay. well in other words when Nettleton Applewhite showed up everyone was ready to say goodbye to Clug like the whole Clugs I don't think you understand I don't really got a lot of places to go <laughs> so maybe I can stay around I can be sort of a, you know what I'll be the treasurer so let me get all the money together so I can make sure we get enough beats for you guys uh-huh well, from what those people who were at Clug's meeting said, Bo and Peep radiated charisma and gave off an aura of understanding and peace, which wow. was exactly what they were looking for. And instead of the eyes being creepy, some of them said the Applewhite's eyes, quote, gave off this love thing. Full of shit. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I could kind of see it, I guess. I mean, it was a connection thing. Those big, wide eyes that he had, like for some people, they... Connected with that. Well, if, if from what I saw in Beyond Human, if the, their approach didn't really change, and I honestly don't think it did, he cries a lot. Mm. Marshall Applewhite's a crier. He's very emotional. He's so, like John Boehner. Yes, it's all, and I think that it sort of conveys this idea of I'm genuine, where it's just more like. I think you understand how much trouble you're in at all times, and you're just about to seriously be like, somebody just get me out of this thing, but it's now too late because you've already cut your balls off. Yeah, you can just look at Clug and be like, I cried and no one cared. He's <laughs> crying and everyone cares, and I've been crying for three freaking years. You know, it's just because I'm an ugly crier. <laughs> Honestly, that is one thing to remember. It's okay to cry in relationships, but you do... Unless there's a death. Save it. Save it. Save the ugly cry? Yeah, you don't want to have an ugly cry. Weeping is fine. Weeping in in response to tragedy is fine. No, I I mean, but like a a little bit of a weep where, you know, the tears come down, but like the full-on like heaving ugly cry is like, yeah, that's reserved for death and the end of the relationship. Yep. Ah. Or a big fight. (laughs) (laughs) To really get out of it. Yeah. But during their talks about revelation and going up into the UFO to experience the next evolutionary level above human... Bo and Peep smartly quoted Matthew 25, 13 in saying that no one knows the time of Christ's return, meaning there was no expiration date on the cult, at least not yet. Damn, yeah, they definitely changed that. No, it's smart, man. That's how you start. You create a vague structure. Yeah. And then you slowly fill it in. And and then they feel ownership Mm -hmm. because they're helping you fill in, as we'll see with as it goes on. They're taking cues from the people and creating this kind of like loop to mm-hmm. make sure everybody's getting what they want out of the cult. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, Bo and Peep said that Earth was one of the countless heavenly gardens, and our garden was at this very moment being prepared for its first and possibly its last harvest. And there's some gross ass pumpkins in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> 
The only way to escape, they said, was to ascend to the next level where they would become immortal, androgynous, non-mammalians with no genitals who are nonetheless still very attractive. You're saying that, and Marshall Applewhite said that. I look at them. <laughs> I don't know. And no, they, that's you, what I'm saying is that that's what they said, that they were going to, like, you're going to lose your nose, you're going to lose your genitals, you're going to lose everything. You're going to be cute. But you're going to be very attractive. It's like, no, you're not, man. You, no. you, the whole, it looks like, the only way it's attractive is if you get a boner from looking at Casper. Yeah, or like the South Park uh, version of Michael Jackson. Can you imagine just spreading whatever material Casper is and just, just sticking your dick like kind of randomly in it, trying to see what was sexy about it? You know, Casper well, is a child. Hmm. <laughs> no, it's the, yeah. it's the friendly ghost. Yeah, but he's, a, he's a boy ghost. But now he's, he's, a, been, he's the boy. He's the ghost of a boy. Yeah. So do you stop aging once you're dead? Because he's been around since the 30s. Physically, My, he's still the ghost of a boy. Yes, but are you? Hmm, do you have an age when you're a ghost? <laughs> Is it still child molestation if you're having sex with the ghost of a child? If you were attracted to the body of a child, then I would say that you are a child molester. But Casper is just an entity. It's a full ghost. He's not. He's not. Does not have the body of a child. Yeah, it looks like a bunch of cum with eyes. <laughs> But he still has the voice and the face of a child. We hmm. could debate this all night. Like, literally, we could debate this all night, but we should get up. Well, what Apple White Nettles are telling people is that you're gonna be- you're all going to become a bunch of sexy grays. Okay. But, of course, no cult works without an antagonist. And in the case of Bo and Peep, their enemy were the Luciferians. The Luciferians were descended from the angels who had rebelled against the kingdom of heaven, and they ruled over this earth through your standard secret societies like the Illuminati and the Freemasons and so on and so forth. But this is my question when it comes to all of that. Obviously, Satan was kicked down from heaven. It must have some components of it that suck. Because if it really was perfect, well, why would anyone leave it? The whole, the classic story of Lucifer is what they do here, what they call the Lucys in mm. their cute little way, because they're not even that much of a nefarious villain. <laughs> they're really not, because it was still like, yeah, you can, you know, most you can live with them, you can work with them. The Lucys, most the of Lucys. them do. Like, yeah, they're, they're they're around. They call them Lucys. That's what you'll find. He loves little pet names, so he called them Lucys. So the, in this in this world, what would be known as Lucifer is one of the pantheon of gods underneath the all-knowing creator god. And they believe with lessons that they have received from their various ascended masters, what they've learned in Tila is that they don't need the big massive creator god. They can go run their own kingdoms wherever they want. So mm. Lucifer leaves to take over the planet Earth. And what he does is complete – he does – he – puts lies throughout all of these modern societies, especially here on the planet Earth. Stuff that, like... Like dinosaur bones. Stuff like that. (laughs) But it's like, Jesus came and he sacrificed himself for our sins and opened up the gates for heaven. And what it means is that Jesus has already done the hard work. Y'all set now. You can go to heaven now. Without... But what Marshall Applewhite will break down is, but actually... We have to do the work of Jesus the same and sacrifice the same mm-hmm. when these Lucys are trying to convince you that you can just fucking cruise. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, Jesus uh, Jesus Christ was a man that had been inhabited by an alien 2,000 years ago. And then maybe other people have been inhabited by aliens since then. Yeah, he doesn't yeah, really yeah. know. Like Marshall Applewhite doesn't say he's the second coming of Christ. He, he says he is the next coming of Christ. He doesn't not not say it. But, he, but no, no, he does say that he is inhabited by the Christ alien, mm-hmm. but he is not the second coming because there have been other, there possibly been other incarnations of Christ through 
throughout history. But that's the thing is that he, it's not even necessarily like gods. They don't see them as gods at all Mm-mm. in the way that we see them as gods. They're just aliens. They are corporeal beings with, you know, you could shoot an alien in the head. Like, you could shoot Jesus okay. in the head and he'd die. Do it, dude. <laughs> just, do it. I'm really upset that you guys ruined the new Men in Black for me because I wanted to see that movie. But he called this process Christing, which to me I think is also the term for coming on the feet of 12 guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Is that, like I said, you could work with the Luciferians. It was possible to live with them and live in their world, but if you found it impossible to do so, i.e. if you couldn't function in the modern world, then you were a candidate for the next evolutionary level above human. We're talking the 1970s modern world, right? Yeah, it's we're like talking a, like a, fucking hellhole America. So yep. we're doing like the modern world is like a microwave <laughs> and like yes. a TV that still doesn't have color. <laughs> Tupperware. Tupperware. Now in those early days, Applewhite would do the vast majority of the talking while Nettles would sit next to him and act as his quote unquote spiritual anchor, interjecting only when she felt Applewhite's statements needed clarification. And according to one early follower, the times in which Nettles interjected seemed to correspond directly with questions that popped into this guy's head while Applewhite was speaking. Like, he would, Applewhite would be talking, this guy would have a question, and then Nettles would come out and say, well, there may be some of you out there wondering about such and such. Why beats? <laughs> and you're like, I was just about to say that. Why beats? It looks like my asshole's bleeding. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Well, this man, later known as Tadadi, said that he felt as if he were in a tunnel. He was at one end while Applewhite and Nettles were at the other, beckoning him to come forward. And he added that he felt as if the only people in the room were him and the two, despite the fact that the talk was taking place in a crowded auditorium. We see this again and again with cult leaders. Mm. It's and, cur- and political figures, pretty much anyone who's charismatic. That's right. the, that is the magic of charisma, is talking to 200 people and making everyone in there feel like they're talking directly to you. Mm. It's kind of like meeting Sammy Hagar from what I've heard. <laughs> I said, you get in there and the first thing he says to you is like, tell me, are you a Cabo or are you a Wobble? Whoa! <laughs> I'm a Wabo, Sammy. Oh, man, I bet I'm, I think I'm a Cabo. You, really? Yeah. No, the Wabo is so much more fun than the Cabo. I, I know that, but I'm trying to be true to myself. Yep. Wow. <laughs> yep, and I'm just on the other side, just making Rita's, man. <laughs> making Rita's, just making sure his guitars are polished, his hair is freshly dyed. I am just there for Sammy. I love it. So, by the end of their two-night run at Clarence Klug's Metaphysical Seminar, Bo and Peep had made a compelling enough argument for two dozen people to leave their lives behind and join the two. Damn, okay. Now, the people who were joining them were, as we said, mostly what you'd call hippie types totally disillusioned by the complete and total failure of the 60s, mm-hmm. at least a failure from the point of view of peace and love. These people were what Robert J. Lifton called proteans, meaning their belief systems were ever-changing and fluid. Didn't really matter if the experiences they had were shallow or profound. It was all treated the same, but you know, you might believe in Hinduism one week, you might believe in Christianity the next, you might believe in Judaism the next month after that. See, this I can't deal with with a spouse. At least if they are a witch, you just gotta stick with one. Yeah. Or at least you got you got to stick with one every five years. I, I just can't be changing that fast. I'm all about the experimentation and the idea of changing your thought lens. Yeah, and, absolutely. And the way you look at your life. I think it's, it's it is really interesting. But I feel like you still kind of have a societal obligation to like raise your family. <laughs> and so yeah, you go can, to go to work. You you can do all of the things that you need to do and stay with the perimeter. Or if you don't want to fuck off and lead a m- monastic life. 
then you are free to do so. That's like one of those where I kind of understand if you don't really have any ties, if you're just a fucking guy working at a pizza parlor and you just want to go and join fucking the, the, him and do whatever the hell you want, fucking go do that shit. Yeah, but it is annoying when they're super into it every week and then they're like, Hinduism is wrong. That was last week, but they were like telling you that it was the greatest thing yes, of all time. And then that like, is annoying. Yeah. It's like when our friend got super into soccer and changed his entire personality and then it's like, what happened? But Wait, the thing you, is, but he's still into soccer. He's stuck with it. Yeah, but that's that I can respect. That's not a spike. <laughs> I honestly think that's true. Yes. Well, these people, these were your former Scientologists, you know, yoga aficionados, psychonauts, astrologists, psychics, people that just kind of went from one thing to the next. Was yoga always so attached to an ideology? Because Used now to be, it's more literally about your body. Like DDP that, yeah. is not like also your third eye. It's like certain strains of yoga. There are there are ones that are more exercise based. It's like I go to various the ones the classes I've been to. It's kind of a, a grab bag. Some are a little bit more spiritual than others. It's, mm-hmm. it's you, always kind of been tied to it because it's about breath and all that kind of bullshit. Can Chakras. you please uh, just have someone film you doing yoga with a bunch of forty year old women? Because I need to see it. It's never <laughs> honestly. It's always like kind of youngers, but it's me in there, man. Who I just look like a guy who's just become sober, who's just looking for anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one thing that all of these people shared was a staunch belief in the existence of extraterrestrial life. If you didn't believe in UFOs, you weren't going to be a part of Bone Peep's cult. Okay. In other words, these people weren't necessarily cynics. They just wanted to believe in something that would both absolve them of all responsibility and give them a ticket off the planet Earth. Bone Peep, that's what they were selling in spades. Sure. Now, while you did have a fair amount of single people joining, some left behind entire families after just after attending just one meeting Ugh. with one couple in particular abandoning their kids to a friend because one of Bo and Peep's main rules was no kids. The one thing they definitely were correct about. <laughs> no, that's, that is technically good. But if you got kids, you got to. Oh, yeah. If you've started it, you got to finish you it. You got to finish it. Yeah. Yeah. Kill them. <laughs> no, you no. don't kill them. Drown the kids. Well, you raise them. I'm just raise saying. Raise them. I think that's a way to look at it. But if you want to join Heaven's Gate, you drown the kids. Jesus, you're like Susan Smith, mother of the year. <laughs> I'm not like her. I. That's why I drown my children inside of toilet paper. <laughs> you <are> disgusting. <laughs> but the interesting thing about it is that while people did join the cult fantastically fast, they also left just as easily. Mm. For example, the couple who left their children, they said, you know what? We're going to give this a shot for three months. We'll see how it goes. And if we like it, see you later. If not, see you in three months. Sure enough, three months and one week later, they were back home. If I'm those kids, I'm living like the Menendez brothers. I'm like, you left us for three months. I want this. I I I want an Atari, whatever the hell was cool for kids in the 70s. Now, a lot of those who joined were comfortably middle class, predictably, but there were some who were actually wealthy. One dude, John Mickey Craig, was a successful real estate developer who was almost elected to the Colorado House of Representatives as a Republican. Hmm. According to John Craig's ex-wife, whom he left along with six kids, Hmm. he told her in 1975, UFO's going to come like three or four months. It's going to take me away to another planet. See you later. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah? Yeah, I thought <laughs> yeah. you were just running for the House of Representatives. Yeah, so. decided I'm going to represent myself and uh, Alien Jesus, and uh, <laughs> I'm just going to go. You take care of the kids? Yeah, I guess I fucking have to. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> 
Well, she figured, well, if and when this doesn't happen, he'll come back. Like, he'll, he'll just be back. You know, I got six kids. I fucking hope he comes back. Hopefully to a padlocked door. John Craig never came back. Nope. He just, it seems like he may have just not wanted to be a father. Yeah. I know, but then yeah. he joined the... This group, it's, it's, you know, that's the thing. I don't, this is of all of them, I just don't particularly understand the, the stickiness, but we'll get okay. it. Well, pretty soon he was printing off flyers and renting halls for recruitment meetings. And 22 years later, John Craig was one of the 38 people to commit suicide with the rest of Heaven's Gate in a mansion whose sale was negotiated by John Craig. Yep. Oh. <sighs> Use your talents. I guess he was committed to it. I don't think this guy just wanted to leave his family because no. if he just wanted to leave his family, he would have gone to Heaven's Gate for two months and then he would have fucking moved to Pennsylvania. Yeah, I just, that's ugh. it. Was the he could have used the nine eleven opportunity and stage his death? <laughs> but yeah. he, it, it's he is a true believer, obviously, yeah. and he decided to give it his all. And it, there's something about going and choosing to be in a little society in which you no longer have to choose. Anything ever again. You don't have to mm-hmm. make a decision. You had a, he had a high-powered job, a high-risk job. It's very difficult to be a real estate agent. All of a sudden now, you don't have to do fucking anything. You got this little dome-haired boy telling you what to do. Freedom in a cage. But there were others who left the cult in the 70s and came back much later. The aforementioned T. Doty said he left the cult in 1978, but returned in 1994 after a chance meeting with one of his original so-called classmates. How oh, lame do you have to be that you didn't learn anything in 20 years? <laughs> I, maybe they got dumber. It's not lame. No, I it's know, not lame. It's not dumb. It's like, this guy said that like while he was away from the group, he found the world to be rude, mean, and aggressive. He'd That's been, true. He'd been beaten up, harassed, lied to, cheated, robbed, threatened. Me too. He'd had... <laughs> yeah. All but, of them. But he couldn't fucking hack it. Mm. Like, he just yeah. did not... But when, you know, when you're with Bo and Pete, Everything's fine. You know? This Everything, is, everything's good when you're with Bo and Pete. This well, is the part where I say that's really great, and I hope I wish that they didn't all die. It's yeah, the same yep. thing with like Jones. Like all these cults. I'm like, I just wish that ironically human nature, I know that they think the world's a bad place, and then ironically that's just it's just human nature, and then they end themselves. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, is that Bo and Peep like broke it down to the point where their followers and and even themselves like were almost infantilized. Like it's where it takes everything to a very childlike, simple level. But they're trying to become space babies. Yeah, mm-hmm. truly. <laughs> and as they started to gain more followers, Bo and Peep started referring to themselves as T and Doe. I don't know why space baby sounds racist. <laughs> but like I feel like if aliens come down like do not refer to me as space babies. <laughs> we are space people. <laughs> Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles would use T and Doe until the end. Like that was their names until the end. And now, wanted- now what I tried to, Henry, I think you figured out why like T and Doe it has to do with like their love of the sound of music or something, right? Um you should yes, try to again Try to read the 912-page book by <laughs> Sawyer. You see, he does, a, as an example of, uh, he did have an uh, what he believed to be his version of an explanation of what was told to him, was that I guess that uh, Bonnie Lou Nettles had a, uh, one of her favorite movies in the world was uh, Sound of Music. Mm-hmm. And so the song, mm-hmm. uh, Do a dear, oh. a female dear. Is there a gun around? Because I could use that right now. But T and Doe are at the end of this, right? This, so they, the, so oh. T and Doe are at the end of it. They, It's about the shift of octave from T to Doe at the very end of the refrain mm-hmm. that is about 
tea and dough, they being connected to each other as father to son, that the father allows the son to go up to an upper octave to the next level. This I'm I'm sound like a fucking moron. <laughs> no, this that's is what really it is. interesting. Yeah. Try to read the book. Yeah. Yeah. And what I didn't realize about this cult was that they'd actually been making national headlines since the 70s. Hmm. In October of 1975, the New York Times printed an article about the group with the headline, 20 Missing in Oregon After Talking of Higher Life. During this event in question, Nettles, now known as T, and Applewhite, now known as Doe, held a conference at the Waldport Inn in Waldport, Oregon. Attracted a crowd of about 250 I don't want to be all like fake news here, but it's a totally insane headline. 20 missing in Oregon. Yeah. They're in Oregon. Yeah. Well, 20 missing from Oregon. You'll see. Yeah. (laughs) By the end of it, between 20 and 30 people walked away from their lives to join the group. Now, another fascinating aspect of this cult is that while most cults steeped in the book of Revelation, they go for the fucking hard sell. Mm -hmm. T and Doe, low pressure. Almost to the point of no pressure. Soup's cash. Well, That's they didn't like it. They didn't understand cult infrastructure yet. They love the ideas and they love the attention because mm-hmm. these are two people that have not had. They believe they suffered from a deep lack of attention. Yes, and so this. They loved having everybody show up. They loved the idea of all these people coming and and wanting to follow them. And then I I believe that this obviously is a little bit more of a sketch comedy idea. But at some point, you are T and Doe looking at a group of twenty people, and all of a sudden they're like, "Yes, tell us where to go. We'll follow you anywhere." And you're like. Our car broke down like two weeks ago. <laughs> like we have nothing yeah. to bring you to. There's no home. Right. There's no. There's there's no place to go. There's no church. There's there's no there's nothing. There's nothing. They didn't know what to do with the followers. Yeah, it was very difficult to be a part of Heaven's Gate in those early days. Huh. You know, they were nomadic. Uh, they didn't have a compound, at least not yet. Uh, instead, they would meet at campgrounds just all across America. It's like, all right, Jeez. the next meeting's going to be in Fruita, Colorado. Uh, around somewhere in late March. So they would just see you there. But it would be that vague. It would yeah. be that vague. They would uh. say, like, a general date, a general area, and if you just so happen to caught them, you, if you t- just so happen to catch them, you'll be able to be a part of the next wave. And that's what they then said, well, it's all about the universe would allow you to meet us mm-hmm. if you were supposed to meet us. Yeah, and if huh. you miss a meeting, you might never find them again. Yep. Really? Like, they're just gone. Because you're, I mean, this is 19 fucking, this is 1972. Right. Well, even more frustrating was the fact that many of the meetings that were supposed to happen didn't happen. Sometimes people would start spreading word amongst the members that T and Doe were planning a meeting somewhere like Los Angeles or Colorado. But when everyone showed up, found out the whole thing was just a fucking rumor. And really, nobody had any fucking idea where T and Doe were. It's like Wayne stock. <laughs> if you build it, they will come. <laughs> and this is only a small part of what the cult asked of its members. I mean, they couldn't watch TV. They couldn't read newspapers, couldn't use drugs or alcohol, couldn't own jewelry or clothing uh, that represented their old self. They couldn't even have a fucking beard. <gasps> so they did have, there was a litany of rules. Oh, yeah, buddy. We will find out as this cult yeah. progresses. It becomes so minutely controlling. They will control every <clears throat> aspect of their lives mm-hmm. where to the point where it says stuff like 457 take a shower. 
517, uh, eat your soup. Yeah. 525, wipe the soup off of your jackets. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that applies to you mostly, Harold. That's dummy. Yeah. But perhaps the biggest demand on the members was the social control. They couldn't call their parents, couldn't visit old friends, couldn't pick up hitchhikers. They couldn't socialize with anyone. And that included each other. And of course, weird. Yeah, they couldn't so like they could interact somewhat, but they couldn't socialize. So this is it, it gets a little nefarious at this point. Oh no, we're not actually not there. You, this I mean, is sad still, though. It's, I don't even so really. Isolated. I don't consider any of it to really be nefarious. As soon as you tell someone you can't call your parents, yes, that's yeah, the, but that's it's, the threshold. But it's for me. also, but it's like you can't call your parents. If you want to be a part of this, you don't have to be a part of this. You can leave anytime you want. But, yeah, but it's like if you want to be a part of it, then, yeah, that's what you got to do. It's it's, it's about personal choice. But we, it's these also, people are personally choosing to not call their parents. They oh. don't want to call their parents, and the cult is giving them permission to not call their parents. Yes. I, I don't know. I, that's, I do say it is that way, but I do believe at some point, if you are a charismatic leader and you are not trying to have a destructive cult, you would create rules within your own world where you could have contact with your family if you wanted to. Like, this is the idea. Yeah. If you wanted to have a positive cult, mm-hmm. which I think is technically just a club. <laughs> right. I, but I, Or like a meeting group, like one of those things where th- they... They do get very manipulative, but it's not really until the coalescing after this time period right. when they can finally get everybody together. Because it's when they get everybody together is when the really intense scheduling and all that shit starts, which we'll cover next episode. Well, if yeah. you're listening right now and you are joining a club that says you can't talk to your friends or family, get out. Get out. Get yeah. out. Unless you don't want to talk to your friends and family. But still just get out because at some point <laughs> you're going to be in legal trouble and your parents are going to be the only ones backing you up. Well, I think what they saw with uh, Clarence Klug's cult uh, was what will happen if you don't have some sort of social social control over your followers. Yeah, because everybody's going to run around willy nilly and do well, everybody's whatever. fighting each other. Yeah, you know, every everybody's fighting each other. There's going to be backstabbing. There's going to be gossip. You know, that's just how humans are. When they all get together in a group. You gotta yank that leash. You gotta well, do some spanks. But you also have to give them freedom to perform so Whoa. they can be as good as possible. Interesting. That's yes. where you come in as HR of LPN. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, of course, all these rules extended to the realm of sex. Nobody under any circumstance was allowed to have anything even closely resembling sex. But this didn't play out. What does that mean? Like eating a banana? <laughs> yes. You closely resembling. You couldn't spray yourself in the face with a hose. You couldn't dip a pretzel into a bunch of melted chocolate. You had to piss your pants and then wash your pants afterwards because you could not t- touch anything. Don't even bother. You're, you were straight up not allowed to even be aroused. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I guess the inverse is like a children of God thing. So this isn't the worst that we've covered when it comes I to cults. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, but that's the thing is that this didn't play out like it usually does in cults. This was not a case of members abstaining from sexual relations while the people up top were going whole hog on the more attractive members. Nobody was fucking. Right. Applewhite wasn't fucking. Bonnie wasn't fucking. Nobody was fucking. Nobody was even masturbating. They weren't allowed to. Nope. They were not allowed. And then, but the whole thing, mm. I feel like that's one of those main like levers of this cult is that because Bonnie and Marshall Applewhite both said that their their main problems had to do with human relationships. Mm-hmm. So all of this, all of this 
was just a way to not worry about dating anymore. Yeah. Right. I, I know that it's like very, very simplifying of all of this bullshit, but Bonnie was just like, I'm just so sick of just trying to find a man with a job. And Aww. Marshall Applewhite's like, who's to say they're 17 years old? But to me, to my hands, they're a full grown man. He didn't have sex with 17 year old boys. Get a nice 17 year old. They were college students. <laughs> they were college students. <laughs> you know, they were used to, to all of this shit. So, was about not nothing. Were they not nothing? <laughs> not nothing. Uh, were they asexual? Did uh, they attract asexual people? No. Because what they did is that they actively tested their members. Like in the early days, like, like weigh in their nutsack and be like, <laughs> you're an ounce low. Did you, Hubert? No. Did you? It dribbled out. <laughs> I saw two cantaloupes next to each other and it just dribbled out. Well, in the early days, T and Doe would pair up people whom they knew were attracted to each other. Uh, and they would t- tell them, like, you can't even touch each other. But hey, guess what? You two are now check partners. Mm. Now you two got to hang out all the time but you can't have sex with each other your job is to go out and spread the gospel around america you got to go out and test the churches which Ugh. test the churches just means you're going and begging food from pastors oh. and seeing if they will give it to you or not but i know this is the least sexy circumstances in the world but how sexy is that it's very sexy you're supposed to not touch yeah you can't even touch you can't whisper you can't even but then every every single bump mm. your hips touch accidentally when you're God knows, harvesting roots. Where? <laughs> right? Anything? Anywhere. They're dumpster diving, it Where like. roots are. You go where the roots are, right? That's what I've always said to farmers. Go where the roots are, right? So don't make your new roots. Go find other roots. Yeah. But you touch hips. Electricity. Yeah. You fucking share gum. They don't share gum. So Actually, sexy. I think they probably shared gum. One that piece is of more gum for the group. disgusting than kissing. <laughs> it's for the group. It's about sharing. It's about knowing each other. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, of course, I mean, this ended up backfiring. Yeah. Oh, did it? Not because the members eventually fucked. It backfired because a lot of these people who went out into the world, they lost touch with the main group. They and just fucking never and just never came back. They just can't get back. They just can't get back. They're like, okay, that's over now. We can't. We just don't know where that. Like one pair, uh, they actually like gave an interview to a local newspaper to try to throw up a flag to say like, hey, we're here. Hey, we're here. Like we don't know where the next people are. And that's they, even sadder than being in the cult. Yeah. I can't get back to the cult. I don't know where the cult is. How do I get back to my cult? <laughs> but they were very good. But again, they did believe this idea that like if we were all supposed to be together, the Christ mind would put us all together. Mm-hmm. And those guys like in that interview, they explain that usually the cult communicated through post office boxes. But since all those post office boxes were all short term rentals and the rentals had all run out. And since this pair had missed the last group meeting. We don't know where the cult is. So if somebody could tell us where the cult is, we would be greatly appreciative. Infrastructure. (laughs) Look at LRH putting together a series of people in charge of various things, delegating authority, creating different branches. A lot of abuse. A lot of abuse. (laughs) Keeping people in line. Uh But even the people who were actually able to follow the group from place to place... Everyone was constantly racked with doubt as to whether they should stay or go. Like They're like, I don't know if this is the right thing. I don't know if I should be here. But it was partly due to the fact that T and Doe were hardly ever around. Like They just kind of showed up, gave a couple of rules, and said, like, all right, you're going to figure it out for the next like three or four months. You guys 
talk amongst yourselves, figure it out, follow the rules, however you want to follow the rules. And that's that to me is the really interesting thing about it. So in that time then, did people follow the rules? Absolutely. Or were, so yeah, people did and didn't. And they said because it was just looser then because yeah. they also didn't have their they didn't have them breathing down their necks, watching them every minute. But again, it was an honor system. It was an honor so system. So weird. And there were a lot of people, like a lot of these people that were in this loosey goosey atmosphere, like a lot of them ended up in the mansion. Do you think? In 97. That, do you think that any other cult could have retain, such um, retainment? But like, I feel like if Jim Jones just stopped showing up, everyone would just well, be like, they, no, I guess we're kind of well, over. Marcus, correct me, and it's true. This whole beginning of this. They don't have a lot of retention. They're yeah. going to almost die several times. Yeah. And remember, uh, the Jim Jones, like his followers did greatly drop when he went down to Brazil. Uh, and uh, and what was it? Back. And Archie uh, ended up taking, trying to take over the group for a little bit. But when he came back, that's when Jim Jones so, cracked the whip. So they would have just gone. They would have just gone. Yeah. Now, yeah. These people need deities and mommies. Mm-hmm. All right? And that's what they're signing up for. All right? They need their no penis daddy so he can go in there and make sure he spanks them enough so they can become Jesus Christ. Come on, Kissel. I don't know. Sp- he's not spanking anyone. That's what I'm saying. Like that's, the <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> oh, and so your only issue with Heaven's Gate is not enough spanking. I think that things would just be a little bit more caliente if some of these bums got peach. <laughs> well, when Tiendo did actually show up, I mean, there was... There was a sort of regimented order to things. Public talks permitted only a short question and answer session, and members would stand on stage with Tian Do and act as what they called buffers because they had to absorb the negative energy from the audience. Yeah, you it, take your fattest members, you put them up front, and it's just me and Kissel, like, with our arms, and, like, holding each other's hands. Like, with being like, we, yeah, we are, we're bad vibe diapers. That's our job. But they stood behind him like fucking Gaddafi. Yeah. That is crazy. All right. The only interaction members would have with the public one-on-one during these talks would be taking the names and phone numbers of those who were interested in learning more. And those who were interested in learning more were told that if you want to know more, you got to come to the next campground meetup, which, again, was called a buffer meetup. Mm. So you would have people that would give their names and phone numbers. When the next meetup was decided upon, they would call up those people and say, like, hey, if you want to come here and learn more about this, come to the camp. They would come to that camp, and then they would give them a little bit deeper of a spiel, and then the people there would decide if they wanted to go to the next level, and the next level being you leave your entire fucking life and you travel around with your check partner around America to spread the gospel of the alien Jesus UFO. you had but you had two meetings. That's it. That's all you got mm-hmm. without giving it up all. Like yeah. you had it, you got you had two to choose. And yep. I'm sure someone in their car right now is saying deeper, deeper <laughs> because it just triggers it. Yep. And the weird thing was, like, these guys were secretive even when they finally got to the campground. If there was like a curious looky loo just wandering over and saying, like, oh, what are y'all folks up to this weekend? They tell them we're a Bible study group. Yeah. That's all we are. That's all that's we all are. <laughs> that is a. That's also a great defense for a peeping tom. I'm a looky loo. Okay, you say peeping tom. I'm a looky loo. You guys are saying, all right, yeah, you're just some kind of Bible study group. You understand when you study the Bible more, you don't got to push the words. <laughs> It's, it's getting more disgusting. I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's great radio. Great radio. But since this whole thing was such a massive, unorganized clusterfuck, T and Doe 
lost at least half of the followers that they'd had at their peak by around 1976. And the rest of them were ready to give up as well. Mm. And it was in 1976, during a presentation in which hecklers were out in full force, that Bonnie Nettles uncharacteristically stood up and announced that the doors to the next level were closed. Boom! Harvest is over. What? Only 100 are going to be joining me and Doe on the spaceship to heaven. Ah, Fuck the rest of you guys. What? We're done. Fuck you, and I'm choosing the soundtrack. <laughs> no. I didn't, I'm in charge of the radio. No way! And this is when the cult officially became boutique. And shit was about to get serious for what came to be known as Heaven's Gate. <gasps> and that's where we'll pick back up for part two. You woo! Heaven's Gate part one. Very interesting. A loose... Loosely knit cult. Very One loose. of the loosely knit cults we've ever covered. I would say the loosely knit. It's just so nice to have a boutique cult because you can always get your leader on the phone. Yeah. You can always, he answers your emails immediately. You don't have to worry about him going to the James Corden of the cult first. Right, like right, you're yeah. right there. You're first priority for that leader. Sounds like you're talking about the agent business in Hollywood and how you, <laughs> they don't return phone calls and things like that. That's a fun little tidbit if you want to get into the entertainment industry. At some point, they just stop e- emailing you back. Yeah. And they don't tell it's the deathly silence of the grave that lets you know that your heat is worn off and you can't have a job anymore. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening to our Heaven's Gate Part 1 episode. This series is going to be absolutely fascinating. Uh, what else should we talk about? We have a lot of cool-ass things happening here with the Last Podcast Network. Y'all, we got Spotify going exclusive. Yes. February 14th of Valentine's Day. Time Network going exclusive. It's for free on the app if you just have yep. the app. Or if you if you do get premium Spotify, you can download it and listen to wherever you want. Also to remind you, last podcast and left and side stories. If you give to our Patreon, you can still get the ad-free episodes where you can play wherever you want. But right. Spotify has given us a lot of fucking resources and we're going to be doing a lot of bullshit this Absolutely. Year. And a lot the show, of really cool shit. As always, the show is 100% free. You just got to get the Spotify app if you don't have it already. We are super excited for that partnership. And you're going to start seeing our faces on different sort of uh, advertising and some media stuff. We made uh, a fun little video yesterday and I think <laughs> yeah. you will laugh with us and <laughs> and uh, it'll be really, really fun. I hope. Yeah. I hope. Marcus in a commercial is fun, guys. <laughs> Wait till you see this shit. Uh, but it also, is. we're live. We're going live April. Last yes. book tour on the left. Come and see our fucking bullshit. Again, Lubbock, get your shit together. Do <laughs> not disappoint your chosen son, please, Marcus uh, Parks. I'm starting to think... I am not the chosen son. Uh, well, Marcus, there's a reason they you didn't leave. You were shooed. You remember the way, like the way that, like no one was like, "Oh, Marcus is gone." Like they were like, "Finally, someone who's not going to judge us when we say racist things is gone." That's really what. The, that's what it was like. All I need is my shovel. I don't need any of y'all. No, um, absolutely, and keep on supporting all the shows here on Last Podcast Network. And speaking of shows on the last podcast network, this Tuesday, <gasps> it's coming. It's the premiere Whoa. of No Dogs in Space. <laughs> no Dogs in Space, Marcus's new music podcast. If you like the content from last podcast on the left, you are guaranteed to get just as much uh, edutainment as you get from LPOTL no with No Dogs in Space. You outside, will learn a lot and I, love it. I am outside of Marcus's mind, and I'll let you know. I'll listen to these episodes. They're super fucking thick. Thank you. I think that you will really like them. We're going to be dropping 
dropping them into the last podcast feed this week so that you can hear it yourself. I don't think, I really don't think you're going to be remotely disappointed. This nope. thing is fucking wall to wall full of information, and it's super funny. Marcus and Carolina knock it out of the park, and I hope that you guys enjoy it. Thank Absolutely. you very much. Absolutely. And yeah. I'm just, it's just nice to see Marcus finally working. You it's know? the whole thing. I'm <laughs> so sick of how fucking lazy he is. I know. It's, it's been a problem. Especially since we just got the breakdown of the audiobook version of the, uh-huh. of the book, and uh, uh, Kissel and I are scheduled for, I think, three to four hours of work. Yep, yep, yep. And, uh, and then I think I have 25 five minutes of work. So, I mean, actually, we're doing so much. <laughs> we don't, like, what? what is it? You know, uh, yes, absolutely. Able can stop at uh, Kind of Fun, the new wrestling podcast, Page 7, Wizard and the Bruiser, all the shows here on LPN. We are so excited to be bringing those to Spotify February 14th. It's a day to fall in love with a new reality, and that reality is Spotify. It'll be absolutely wonderful. You just scared the shit out of me with that last <laughs> Alrighty, All right, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Gene. Magustalations. Hail me. All right. Do, do not join a cult. Don't join a cult unless it's fun. No. no. Unless you get wings out of it in an admiral's hat. No, oh, that's fun. <sighs> See? That is fun. And big boat. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro... Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.